Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Married Men Don't Talk. Tonight's topic is Because the Pastor Said So. We have a few rules and they are no profanity, no politics, and no racial stuff. And this is not Bible study. My name is Darren Smith and I'll be your host for the evening along with my co-host Rodney Turner and Tony Hawkins. If you have any questions to say, please feel free to do so. If you just prefer to listen, that's cool. Please put your phone on mute. All right, let's get right into our topic for tonight, because the pastor said so. I got my first question. I just wanted to ask, uh, have anyone found the need to seek counseling from a pastor, marital counseling from a pastor? I have. So, yeah, tell me your experience, if you don't mind. Well, I mean, it's pretty good, actually. He was like the, the middleman for me. And, um, you know, he had the degrees, he had the background, he had everything that we needed, and uh, and my wife liked him, so it was all good. Helped us a lot. Okay, did he take a side? Um, no, no, uh-uh, he stayed pretty neutral. Okay, did you ever feel one side, or, I mean, did you ever feel at any time that he was kind of taking your wife's side, or or your side at any point, or did he hit, like, both of y'all in the head? Well, it wasn't, you know, um, it was just like uh, he took my side sometimes and he took her side. So, you know, it just they point out the highlights, and they try to just talk about the improvements, and then, he, you know, he went back and forth saying, you know, which improvements we each had to make. That's all, but it wasn't, it wasn't one-sided at all. No. Did you ever have any secular counseling? Never. Never had any secular counseling. Mm-mm. Not, yeah, not, not, not secular yeah, marriage I've, counseling, no. Yeah, I've Anybody else had any? any uh, yeah, I've never had any marital counseling at all other than the Married Men on Talk Show. And that's not marital No, that's not. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It could be. It's only one way. That's one side. <laughs> Say it again. I've never, that needed, I've never needed both sides. <laughs> yeah. No, I was saying, yeah, I got I've had premarital counseling, counseling while in marriage. Um, I do relationship coaching now. Do you find which one do you find more helpful? The marriage or the spiritual side or the secular side? Actually, I find that they kind of balance each other out because a lot of the things that are said in the spiritual side, really you need to apply even if you're not spiritual. Like, okay. like he finds the wife finds a good thing. I think that's true whether you're looking from a biblical perspective or a secular perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or love your wife as as Christ loved the church. You might not be Christian, but you get the symbolism behind the statement, love your wife unconditionally, whether you spiritually or secularly. So they go hand in hand. 
Okay, well, you know, I had spiritual counseling and I had um, secular counseling, and I can tell you hands down, spiritual outweighs the secular by far, um, simply because the secular counselor did not know where I was coming from. They didn't under they didn't understand the they understood they understood the mechanics of what they was taught in school as far as their PhDs in knowledge about human behavior. So their counseling came from that perspective. It didn't come from a perspective of, you know, uh, love your wife as Christ loved the church and submit to your husband. Their counseling came from their perspective was if he's not doing what he's supposed to do, then you don't have to submit to him. Or if she's not uh, loving you, then you just keep on doing what you do for her and doing what you do for the kids. They even suggested one time when we were on vacation to take two separate vacations in two different households. So I, I, I just found that it did more harm to the marriage than than not. Hold but, on, hold um, on, do we have hold, any... on, hold on, Darren, hold on. You said two separate vacations in two separate households. Yeah, we was in Bahrain. Uh, me and my first wife, we was in Bahrain, and um, we get thirty days to fly back. But my my ex wife and my mother did not get along. But every time we flew back to Atlanta, you know, of course you're gonna stay with family. Well, well she didn't like my mom. My mom didn't like her. And um, and she acts. Uh, she didn't want to go over my mom's house, but her people were not. You know, they weren't friendly. So if they didn't see you in ten years, it was like, oh, oh, hey, hi, how you doing? If my family ain't seen you in ten years, it's go- it's a party. You right. know. So her family was not receptive at all. And and she, so when I told the counselor that we were going on vacation, and she said she didn't want to go over my mom's house. She said, well, why don't you go over your family's house and she go over her family house and then y'all split the kids between the time they come over. There. So she was trying to train us how to be separated, oh, in, nah. in, 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 my, in my opinion. Right. But it, nah. it, it, it was, I, I, that, that was my secular experience. Now, I mean, maybe she wasn't the best or maybe that's, that's not what all of them would do. But she goes. Well, that's what she did to us, you know. And I didn't. It didn't. It didn't sit well with me at all. And then she only listened to, in my opinion, she only listened to her side, and um, and that wasn't what the uh, spiritual counselor did. <clears throat> but anybody else had it? Did they had the same experience for secular counselors, or because I know Andrew, you were um, your counselor or the marriage. Uh, you counsel people, right? Yes, and and I've had secular and spiritual counseling and when I was going through um, the spirit the, the secular counselor told me what I needed to do was is take walks with my wife take who with your wife take walks that would solve the problem okay did now, it work did it work heck no <laughs> did, did you take walks yeah but I mean you've got to get to the root of the problem you know, and and if you don't get to the root of the problem, you know, and deal with the hurt and the pain and and get to the point of forgiveness of it, you know, all the all the perfume you put on a pig is still a pig. Okay. Well, what about uh, are you? So I take it that you we are all Christians on the phone. If no one else is, if, if anybody is not a Christian, then just, you know, forgive us this conversation because 
this uh, conversation is going to be coming from a perspective. So do we have any pastors on the phone? I got to ask a question, though, before you get to that. Okay, go ahead. If I could. So, uh-huh. and I understand that, you know, you've got Christian counseling, and then you've got the secular counseling. Okay. And, and from what you and Andrew both said, that the secular counseling wasn't beneficial to you because of where you In my were. case, right. In your case. Right. Let's just say someone that isn't Christian or they haven't identified with their faith and they still have a marriage issue. So let's say that person says, okay, well, I need to find a, a pastor for marriage counseling. Well, I need to find a marriage counselor. Which way are you going to sway them? Well, I think, you know, a secular counselor that understands can, you know, can be effective. I'm not saying that they aren't. I'm just talking about the one I okay. went to. Yeah, yeah. And that's the point that well, I'm I would to make. Go ahead, Darren. Go ahead. Take a stab at it. No, I would, I would, I would sway them. I would first ask them what their religious beliefs are, because um, if they're I just atheist, said they don't know. They don't know. If they don't know, then I would strongly advise them to go to a spiritual counselor, because that the spiritual counselor kind of set order, set the order of the household. When a secular counselor uh, do more of a compromising. Uh, situation. They take a compromising approach between the husband and the wife. So, with that, which which may not set the order, because if the woman makes more than a the man, then of course she's gonna take the approach of, well, you know, if it works for you guys, then if it works that you you as the male stay home and cook and change the diapers and have the babies, then you know that's what you need to do. So she would kind of lean towards the compromising of their situation. Can I can I add something to that? Um, yeah, Glenn and I have have worked with non-Christian couples and Christian couples. Um, it's very difficult from where we stand to to really effectively help non-Christian couples because mm-hmm. our basis goes back to what God says. And if you don't accept God as the the authority, it's very difficult to t- to talk to people that that don't accept that and and you're giving counsel with that it's really a difficult situation um so you know non-christian folks going to a christian counselor they're going to run into a lot of the the strife and struggle because they're giving them you know from the basis of this is what god says and if they don't believe that that there's a god or that you know he has he has authority pretty much it, it's diff- we've, we've, we've counseled two couples like that and It's been very difficult And that's the point that I'm trying to make You know what I mean I think that whatever lane you're in Is the lane that you're going to be comfortable with right. You see what I'm saying And sometimes if you want to force feed the Bible And force feed what God says about marriage To a person that hasn't made that, made that Adjustment in their life yet It may be extremely unproductive and that's So we can't we well, Yeah that's we can't exactly keep the secular count yeah, we can't kick the secular counselors out of the room just yet because there's a need for that. You know what I'm saying? There's a need because they cannot. Because the problem is still a marital issue that needs to be addressed by someone with some type of credentials. No doubt. So no doubt. I mean, I'm not saying kick them out, but you asked me a question: which one would I sway them to? And the only reason I said that I would sway them to it, I found 
in, in, in writing my book that I could, an a atheist person can read it and understand the principles without believing in God because the principles still there as far as a headship concern. And if you can read a book and say the order needs to be this way, and if it's not, then it's skewed because this is how the woman is built. You don't even have to mention God in that statement. You're just giving them information, and then they can relate to it because they look back at what, what their wife is doing or what their husband is doing and say, you know what, he is like that or she is like that. So let me, let me dig in a little bit more into this book to see what – let me read more about my wife. You know, so then mm. they're not reading about their wife. They're they're not reading about God. They're reading about the principle behind a woman, or vice mm. versa, principle behind a man. So uh, that's why I would say you, you can be a a spiritual counselor. I mean, we do spiritual counseling on here every week. We just never mention God. Sometimes we just most of the time don't mention God. Well, so here's how about the other thing. Why does it have to be a counselor of any sort? Why can't it be a couple that's been successfully married for fifty, sixty years? What is your question too, Chris? Because we were talking about, we were talking right. about. He's just talking about counseling in general. He was saying that general, why does it have to be a pastor or a secular counselor? Why can't it just be a regular married couple offering a counseling? For the reason, a regular married it couple just, can give you, you know, how they made it for fifty years. They can give you their story, right. and they offer you advice, and that's where it ends. They don't have the credentials to do it week after week after week and diagnose what problems that you're having. Because it may be two totally different issues than what you're having and what this other couple has. They may not have even faced the things that you and your wife are going through. So it's got to be someone that's well-versed in, in a lot of different circumstances and hopefully that has a degree that can help you with it. Okay, so well, you have a person with a degree that's never faced my particular situation but they have quote unquote book knowledge. I mean, is that any more effective? Well, I'm they may not have. Well, I'm sorry, Tony. Go, go ahead. No, I'm go just ahead, saying. Oh, I mean, go ahead. I'm a better on the book knowledge first. Uh, well, what go I was going to say is. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Malcolm. What I was going to say no, was no, no. They, they may have talked to somebody with your situation and they may be familiar with it because of that reason. Okay, I like mm-hmm. that answer. Mhm, mhm. Well, but listen, but listen. Look at a look at a person with fifty, sixty years of marriage experience. Look how in the time when men used to beat and cheat on their women and have ten kids by them, and they used to hang in there no matter what. Yeah, I mean you that been... person can give them. Go ahead. Well, yeah, Darren. Yeah, but you could have been a man that got punked for sixty years in your marriage. You could have been a man that just bowed down and did whatever your wife said. Oh, you can't say nothing to me. Well, yeah, hold, on exactly. hold on, hold on, hold on, you, hold on. But you know, you can learn from a bad marriage. You can learn how to save money from watching a broke person. Just don't do what they know. So yeah, if you but you ain't gonna counsel me. <laughs> say that difference. again. You're not gonna counsel me. I mean, you know, I can learn from you, but you're not gonna counsel me. If I come to you with issues in my marriage. You, like I said, you may be able to give me a little bit of advice, but that's where it is. Right. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. 
But it sounds to me like, like the clear and distinct difference be, from Darren's perspective, in my opinion, between a secular um, counselor and a uh, Christian counselor is that he's going to first and foremost establish that the man is the head of the household. And then from there, he may put out there that, you know, divorce is not an option and kind of go from there, whereas it sounds to me like Darren is saying with the secular, they may try to make it 50-50 or some other way to try to make it work. Yeah, they look at the situation and go from there, and they base their their uh, advice off the current situation. If, you know, if the wife is making more money than the husband, uh, she will base a different decision that, that that's way away from the biblical perspective, how the Bible see that. Or, you know, just like the apostle the other week, I mean, he was a pastor and she was an apostle. Uh, if a secular, if they went to a secular uh, counselor, they was like, well, she's the apostle in the church. She's over you in the house as well. And they probably go along with that. When well, you moved into her house, you have to roll by her rules. That's what a secular counselor would say because that's her house. And they kind of differentiate this is hers and this is yours. That's what secular counselors do, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's just your opinion. I think that's your opinion. I think that you're putting them all in some kind of barrel where that, you know, that they're just going to go 50-50. I do believe that some of them do understand about the headship of the house. And I do believe, but again, it may be, it's the same principles. It just may come out in a different form. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, well, well do we have any pastors on the line right now? You got, you got one. We got what? Is that Pastor E? I'm a, you ain't got to mention pastor. the names. Yeah, but <laughs> no, no, no. I one. mean, no. <laughs> no, it's not. You ain't got to mention the names. He said he's a pastor. Fire. Yeah, you know, roll, with it. roll with it. Okay, no, no. no I, I need to know if that's Pastor E for a certain reason. It's not. It's not. Okay, okay. So, so Pastor, who's on the who's on the line? Have now? I know. Are you married? I am. Okay, so when you have issues in your marriage, do you go to other spiritual counselors or do you go to uh, a secular person or somebody outside of your your range? I'm a pastor who believes that every pastor should have a pastor, and so when I have problems in my marriage, I go to my pastor. Um, and, and that, again, that's just my personal um belief and however there are other pastors who I know who want a neutral party who may not necessarily go to a pastor um, but that's me personally okay let me ask you this question then pastor when you if you if you if your wife is not submissive to you and you're not loving your wife secretly do you guys feel a need that you can counsel anyway? Can you go out and counsel and say, you know, uh, I would like to, uh, this person needs help, and this person has the same type of issue that my wife has, or I have? Hmm. Hello? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Um, uh-huh. Here's what I would say, and, and again, this is, just, this is just me, my experience, you know. Um, Private private pain does not necessarily hinder you from doing public ministry successfully. I'll say it again. Private pain 
does not necessarily hinder you uh, from doing public ministry successfully. Uh, how effective that ministry is, that's something else to be weighed out. But I say that to say um, that, you know, all, all, all throughout the Bible you have folks, and again, I'm not trying to turn this into Bible study because I know it's not, but all throughout the Bible you have uh, persons who are private failures and public successes. And so I say that, again, from a biblical standpoint, um, that you can experience in private pain and still be a public success. Um, is that um, what you want or what you desire? No. Uh, the ideal is that everything privately uh, is going well and everything publicly is going well. But oftentimes that's not the case. So what you guys preach, do you follow that same teaching? And I know you said it's, it's private and it's public. That, that simply means to me that I'm showing, um, I mean, I, can, I could have just got into an all-out fight with her in the car, but then when we get out here, we're showing a united front and playing like everything is all good and we're holding hands and kumbaya when we walk in this church. It's possible to do that, yeah, sure. And I don't okay, think so you have to you be just... on the pulpit, Darren, to, um, to pull that off because we all do it. Right. Yep. Well, it's, I think it's different when a pastor does it, in my opinion. Why is that? Why is that? Why? Why is it? Because if someone is in, in need of counseling, sure. they're not going to come to me. Now, if they do come to me, then I'm going to tell them what, what, what I'm supposed to be doing and what I'm not doing, and I'm not qualified to say ABC. But I'm not going to tell somebody what I'm not doing if they need that, okay? If I'm sleeping with somebody in the church and then somebody comes to me and say, look, man, I had this problem sleeping around on my wife, <laughs> what can I tell them? I mean, honestly, nah, put a straight face. You went too far. You started with a Sunday morning fight before church to sleeping with okay well, let's back up well, let, let's back up let's back up let's start with that fight let's 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 say that fight was about you know uh, uh the pastor spending too much time outside of his house doing other things except for being with his wife let's say that pastor is the wife is upset because they don't spend enough time together and he's saying look i got a church i got i got my job and I got these kids, and I got these orphanages, and I got these counseling sessions that I got to do, you will get time when you get time with me. And then they come up on a couple that the wife has the same kind of problem, and she said, my husband would not spend time with me. And then he says, well, look, I got to work. I got to pay these bills. I got to take care of these kids. But the truth, the truth is behind that couple, what that couple needs is, that man needs to do what Ephesians says. You know, it's a time for this and a time for that. And that's what he needs, but that's also what the pastor needs. Now, can the pastor give, deliver that to him without feeling, feeling hypocritical in front of his Absolutely. wife? If, Absolutely. Happens Absolutely. all the time because pastors yeah. are human. Pastors human. are human just like we are. They, they men married men before they pastors too. You know, so let's not get it twisted just because they pastors that they can't have a little tearful here and there with their wife. And, and if they do, they're not allowed to do marital counseling. 
Come sure, on, man. Sure. And, 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 and Darren, two things. Yeah. First, first thing, as parents, we tell our kids um, things that we want them to do and not to do. We know some of those things we've already done. Yep. You feel what I'm saying? Okay. Like we can tell okay. our kids drugs are horrible, but we got high all through teenage life. Okay. You feel what I'm saying? So there's certain things that we do, and again, but we tell that to them because we want them to be better. You see what I'm saying? And the other thing you got to realize you. is that within the church, the head is under attack more than the body. Talk about it. You feel what I'm saying? So you already know if they got that position, if you can take them out of the game, then guess what happens to the body? Mm-hmm. Yes. You see that so that brings I, mean, I, I, I got that. But okay, you so, you gotta understand when you when you got a pastor and he's he's um he's a head of a, a, a congregation of five thousand folks. Now, sure. pastor, you you agree with me or disagree? You are head of five thousand people. If that pastor get a divorce, let's just take uh um I've been watching this show. These boys uh, on this show, pastors of L.A., preachers of L.A., right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. These guys had a church. Some of them had a congregation of 5,000. Whatever they do, some people are like sponges. Their pastors, to them, is like, can do no wrong. All right, now we know Diedrich Hatton have another wife, but he had a baby with another woman while he was still married. We know that. Mm-hmm. Do we know what happened to that flock? I don't y'all y'all probably didn't research it, but I did. What happened to that flock? It tore the church almost in half. Mm-hmm. Let's take let me, your let me, right. let me, let me, another comment. Let me comment here. Let me comment here. Okay, go ahead, sir. Um, go ahead, sir. And the reason the reason I want to comment here is because um, I, I think I think on some level pastors may um, make it a bad rap. Because oftentimes, as you mentioned, preachers of L.A., uh, I guess I throw out this disclaimer. Number one is that um, the size of their ministries and uh, the level of success that they have is the exception to the rule. Okay? That's number one. Okay. Number two is statistics tell us that 80% of the churches in the United States have 250 members or less. So let's be clear, because, see, the, the challenge is, is that pop culture only shows you the 5,000-member church when that's the exception to the rule. Eighty percent of all of the churches in the United States have 250 members or less, which mm-hmm. means that every pastor is not popping and locking and jumping in a bitly every day or this or that. Some pastors are just on the daily grind, bivocational, you know, just trying to feed the flock and be faithful. You know, to the call of ministry. So let me put that out there. Number one, number two is is that what pastors do do impact the church. Absolutely, I, I agree with that. There are some pastors who've had divorces, and um, you know, the Bible says that sheep without a shepherd are will surely scatter. So you have situations where churches broke up, churches divided, churches split because pastors broke up. Then you also have some churches where pastors got a divorce and the church survived. You know, it may have lost. You know, 700-member church may have lost 100 members, um, but 600 members stayed. The church even grew after the fact. So you, you've got a lot of exceptions for, exceptions to the rule. And so we want to be careful that we just don't grab 
what we see in pop culture and make it the the rule for everyone when in fact that's not the case. So I just I just want to throw that out as a disclaimer. Good well, words. you know, and and I, and I appreciate those words, Pastor, um, because unfortunately, though, people are I'm not going to say gullible, but unfortunately, if you are a new Christian and they come into a new church and they're expecting and they have an expectation of the pastor. And that's why their punishment, the Bible says that their punishment will be greater than a, a regular normal person that sins. But Absolutely. because they have a they, they have a they, they have a big huge responsibility. Let's just take uh, uh Bishop Long for example. We can take uh Pastor Jamal Bryant. Every time something happens with these these guys and I mean that's just on a a, a bigger scale, but even if you take it to a smaller scale, you know, when when those pastors do something, they're in a role on a in a leadership position of authority where people will follow them to the to the edge of the cliff, and some probably jump off with them. It's possible. It's possible. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. in, in that case, in that case, how can a pastor? I mean, I know you guys got hard jobs as it is, but. What is your expectation to tell your people to do something that you're not doing? I mean, that's 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 a rough question for anybody to answer. You know, I'm not it, I'm not expecting. Right. It is, a, it is it is it is certainly a rough question. Um, but I think I think this I think I think that one of the responses may very well be that although people fall short and pastors fall short, the Bible is still the Bible, and so. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether or not, and I'm not saying it's okay, nor am I condoning what the pastor is doing if if it's outside of the will of God or what have you. But 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 it, even though he's messing up and falling short, it doesn't change the book. The Bible is still the Bible. So again, and and I'm and again, I'm not saying it's not hypocritical, but the reality is that the book hasn't changed. The Bible has not changed. So if he stands up or she stands up and says. You know, thus saith the Lord, the scriptures tell us to do A, B, and C. He's not lying in that, he, you know, he, the scriptures do tell us to do A, B, and C. And, you know, however, that individual is maybe falling short of uh, those guidelines, those expectations. Again, I'm not condoning that, but I'm saying him or her saying this or that is what the Bible says to do. You know, if it is scriptural and biblically sound, that doesn't change, man. That doesn't change, regardless, regardless of, you know, whether or not the individual is upholding that. And I'm not, and again, I'm not saying it's okay for them to not uphold it. I'm just saying the Bible still doesn't change whether they're right or wrong in, in the sense of their personal living. You know, one of the challenges that we have um, as congregants is we put our pastors on this pedestal and don't realize that they're human. Yep. And uh, one of the challenges is because um, we do that, and, and I have a, a, a very, very close relationship with my pastor, um, and one of the challenges that we do that is they cannot, um, they cannot seek help when they have difficulty because people will see that and judge them on that. It's a very difficult thing for a pastor who's having difficulty in any area, whether it be marital or, or sexual or any area to seek help, because people that will see that in this congregation will judge that. 
instead of giving him the deference that we would give anybody else that was going through a struggle. Can I add something to um, what the pastor just said as well? And and I agree with, with what he said, that the word is the word, really, no matter who it's coming from. It's, it's, it's the word. But uh, more importantly, uh, my father was a pastor, and I've, I've seen this personally, and I believe this is the case, at least with the hosts, and it's, it's the case with a lot of people. Um, a pastor could, that actually has a calling on his life, um, he could be messing up inside his household, but when he gets in front of his congregation with his calling, he, he's absolutely committed to that. It would be really no different than me. I mean, I see it in my own life. I could be messing up, but let a person need help or need a word. I'm coming from my heart with that. And I think I know that's the same with you, Darren, and I believe that's the same with, with Tony and Rodney. So regardless if they're messing up in their own personal life, when it comes to their flock, I think they're committed as, as they can possibly be. Yeah. So to, the brother, to the brother's point uh, who, who just spoke before you, when he said, you know, it's hard for pastors to go and kind of talk to persons about their struggles, whatever. Um, I absolutely agree with that, but I also believe that the antidote for that is that pastors need pastors. And um, and I don't say that just because it's a nice or it sounds good. Biblically, that's what we see, that um, in the life of David, David has what I like to call an ecclesiastical supervisor, if you will. He has a pastor, and it's the prophet Nathan. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I know this is not Bible study, but just for you to kind of understand the point, David mm-hmm. falls short and sleeps with Uriah's wife, has a child, and also has Uriah killed. Um, right. And so the prophet Nathan comes to him, and he, he tells him this, this parable, if you will. He says, you know, there are two guys live, living next to each other. And uh, he says the one guy had, you know, pretty much a big flock of sheep, and the guy next door had one sheep. He says the guy who had a bunch of sheep decided to have a party for some friends who were coming from out of town. And instead of killing one of his sheep, he went next door and took the man's one sheep. And, you know, he asked David, he says, David, you know, who do you think was wrong? But David pretty much, and Scripture says this, paints this picture for us, David pretty much is livid and says, that man who had everything and took from this man who had nothing is wrong. He should repay. Matter of fact, if you tell me who he is, I'll go and punish him right now myself. And the prophet mm-hmm. looks at David and says, David, you are the man. Mm-hmm. And it's in that moment that he pretty much checks David for his behavior that has been outside of the will of God. And so I think every pastor needs a pastor that they're accountable to who can do that for them. Mm-hmm. Now, will every pastor submit to somebody and be accountable? I-, I can't answer that. Do I do that? I do that personally. But I'm saying that that's what you need. Because it is right, you know, with what my brother said, that it's hard for pastors to go and say, I'm having problems in my marriage, my kids are going crazy. You know, I've got some some tendencies, some behaviors, some practices that I know are not healthy and I need to talk to somebody. It is difficult for that to happen. But I think yeah. pastors need pastors. That's and that, and that's, a, that's a great point. I, I, and, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, from lived experience, I just jumped on the call. One of the loneliest ministries in the church is the pastoral ministry because some of us get the big head and think we can't submit to anybody. And then there are expectations from people um, that they want to think that we are held more accountable to anybody else 
Um, but the word of God says, be holy for I'm holy. And that's not mm-hmm. just for pastors. That's for everybody. I don't think you can get more higher than holy. Mm-hmm. And, right. and sometimes it but gets... I have a- and, and that's one of the ways you see all, see um, these guys falling is because they don't submit to pastoral authority, even in their own ministries, and they tell everybody else, I want to be your pastor. Mm-hmm. Well, I had mm-hmm. a problem. Well, let me ask this question first. Can anybody be a pastor? Can anybody have that calling on their life? I don't think if people knew what pastor really did, they'd be running up trying to be one. Right. A lot of people okay. call themselves a lot of people call themselves to the pastoral ministry. Well what I'm talking about those who, who actually say that I am called to to pastor. Can anybody can that can that calling be on anybody? John can do whatever he wants with yeah, whoever right, he wants. Right, absolutely. Does everybody agree with that? If you look at the disciples None of them you would think would be pastors or apostles. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, I agree with you, brother. So, okay, so if, if you agree with that, any God can do anything. Hey, hey real, real quick. Yeah, when you say, uh, just so I can differ, differentiate what you're talking about, you mean be called to it and be effective in it, or are you saying just serve? Well, a lot of people was called to in the Bible to become prophets or uh, kings, but they weren't they weren't good at their job. But they that was still their position ordained by God. Um, so so I'm, they don't have to be effective, but they were called. You know, they were called to pro, to be a prophet, but they they were effective at times, and at times they weren't. Well, what's the definition? definition of effectiveness in ministry? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> well, because I mean, my, being, my effective, is being uh-huh. faithful. Because you can be effective okay. and only be called to 20 people. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, what if, you're right. Faithful, what if you're faithful in everything that you believe in, even though everybody else around you believe that it's wrong, what, what you believe? Well, you just look at the prophets. Without any prophet in the Old Testament, Jeremiah preached for thirty-eight years and nobody got saved. Mm. Isaiah tough. walked around for three years, butt naked, telling telling Israel they're going in the, um, to repent. Okay, well, let's talk about today's pastors. We're talking about today's pastors. Okay. I mean, we we know the prophets. They have we have their stories, we have their commentary, their dialogue. We already know what happened to them, or what didn't happen to them. But we're talking about effective pastors or people that are called to pastor today. And everyone think or everyone feels that any God can call anybody to 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 pastor if He chooses to, right? That's right. But what's the difference is. between today and and yesterday? I mean, God's the same today, yesterday. Yeah, and why you know he could he could call somebody to touch one person. Yeah, who was okay. T.D. Jakes' Sunday school teacher? Mm-hmm. For that, that would be the one for that person in the backwoods of West Virginia. Where would all these people be looking to and reading these books? 
Mm. It, wow. I, I think when we say effective in ministry, and this is where people go off and then, then they start falling because they're chasing this goal of these mega churches and having a lot of people mm-hmm. having it on TV and radio, be faithful to what God has called you to. And it might be a country church with 20 people. Mm. And, you know, what, how do we measure success? How do we know that's how God measures it? Just because we get, you know, 40,000 people. I mean, I can get 40,000 people out of the Redskin game. What does that mean? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I ask these questions, and they are, you know, if we ask them questions like that, that means they're set up questions for something else. So, um, Pastor E, are you on the line? Yes, sir, I'm here. All right, Pastor E, um, could you introduce yourself and, and tell you, you have a uh, – I've asked you to come to the show because you, you have a very unique you're, – you're a very unique individual – and in which you pastor over a very unorthodox flock of Christians. Um, and before you give your story, your testimony, I would like for everyone to be respectful and 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 um, welcome Pastor E to the show because um, he's a wonderful guy, and I just want everybody to listen to him. And uh, I got we can you can ask him any kind of questions. Just please be very respectful. Um, pastor E, can, could you please give everyone an illustration of your situation in your congregation? Um, well, I pastor uh, what would probably be known now as an affirming ministry. Uh, I pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, we are, I guess, one of the popular churches uh, that are coming up now. Uh, and we, if you came to our church, uh, it would not look like the traditional church. Our service is not the traditional service. Uh, you would see people in flip-flops, uh, T-shirts. You would see transgender people. You would see uh, some same-gender couples. Uh, you would see black, white, tattoos, piercings. You would see all of this. And uh, the message of our church uh, is simply that Jesus welcomes everyone uh, to the extravagant table of grace. And so uh, that is really about the extent of the uniqueness, for lack of better words, uh, of our ministry is that, you know, you wouldn't come to our church and see uh, suit and tie and uh, uh, traditional couples as we know it. You would see a mixture of of everything. And so um, with that, we have a tendency to be uh, ostracized. We've been uh, talked about a little bit here and there on social media. You know, our church is... Hellbound, and uh, you know, I, I, I've had to deal with that the majority of my life um, until one day, you know, I just had to hear the voice of God that simply said that I made you uh, who you are, and I am pleased with what I made. And so, uh, that is somewhat of what the message that we we preach at our church. Okay, and the and the reason why, um, furthermore. You, your sexual preference is a homosexual, right? Preference, right? Yes, I'm saying gender loving. Okay, and you, uh, and now according to the brethren, what they just said on the line that God can call anybody. <clears throat> now I'm going to give anybody, if anybody got any questions for Pastor E right now, if you didn't understand what he was just saying. So, where is your church located? Because I would like to come. <laughs> <laughs> 
we're we're in Atlanta. <laughs> Hey, real quick, <laughs> is your church primarily homosexual? Like the congregation is primarily homosexual? Um, I would say that we're kind of half and half right now. What's the what's the what's the what's the size of the congregation? We're two years old, and we're at about twenty members. You said twenty? Uh huh. Okay. Can, um, do, you, do you believe that the that the Bible is incorrect um, when it teaches about homosexuality? I believe that we have taken it uh, as a literal read, and uh, that we have, as as a Christian church overall, we have not done our due diligence and uh, and for lack of better words, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, and I feel it. Also, we have uh, come to the conclusion that truth is a known and not a knowing and not a continuous uh, thing of knowing or learning or getting revelation. I think we've actually, we talk a lot about revelation, in particular in African-American uh, Christian churches, but we don't, we don't really embrace it. Uh, if it. If it comes and it just, if it goes against what Big Mom and them told us and what Reverend so-and-so told us all our life, uh, we have a problem with accepting it. Even I, uh, I was raised traditional Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. Uh, my grandfather was a pastor. My mother is an ordained minister, and I know that right there. It probably shut a whole bunch of folk down. Um, and so uh, it was very hard for me to to accept where I am. Um, uh, just to give you a little bit of history, I... I I tried everything under the sun. Uh, pray the gay away. Run the gay away. Uh, fast the gay away. Uh, concentrate. I, I know all of it. I've been there, done that to the brink of, you know, I just felt like something was wrong with me. I felt like, you know, uh, God had just made a terrible mistake with me and to the point where I wanted to kill myself. And I know several people. In fact, some of the members of our church that have gone through the same thing that they felt like they were not worth living because they couldn't conform to uh, the quote-unquote norm. They felt like, even in their ministry calling, uh, that they could not minister effectively uh, or even be in ministry because uh, they were saying gender affectionate. Now, when you when you say we're not rightly dividing the word of God, how would you rightly divide it uh, when it comes to sexuality? Well, um, and and I know this is this is not a, a Bible study, but uh, I know that you know a lot of the the main clobber scriptures that we use are from Leviticus and and, and uh, Romans and things of that nature. I I, I know that, um, but we do not take into account. Uh, we don't take into account a lot of things, cultural things, cultural background of when these scriptures were written, who they were written to. Uh, we don't take into uh, account uh, translations of scripture over the years. Um, those things are what I consider uh, rightly dividing it. So could you explain how you rightly divide that scripture where, where you know, where it says... Um, that certain things are sins? You are missing the point. 
I don't know. I'm missing the point. I, I want to get the point because um, I've studied extensively, and I'm in seminary right now, and I want to understand how you feel that 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 the greater Christian church is, is, is twisting the word of God and not getting it right. So I want to know how how you see it and how the how how we can rightly divide the word because um, the way I divide the word is that God said certain things are sins. Um, I'm not just pointing out homosexuality or what. There's, there's you know, and not one is greater than another. Um, but you know, lying and gossiping and all that are sins. And if I say, well, I'm a liar, and that's how God made me, so so you know, I, I need to understand how you're dividing the word. Okay. Um, I know, Darren. I know you said not to. That this would not be a a, a Bible study. And uh, I didn't want to trade on. Do what that. you got to do. Do what you got to do. Well, if you yeah, if you have to, if you have to explain yourself through the Bible, then you can go right ahead, uh, Pastor E. Mm-hmm. Do you think, bro? Do you think? Um, and, and and you know, just as a disclaimer, we can we can always disagree or agree to disagree. Um, right. I don't agree with a lot of things. Um, I don't agree with you know statements that homosexuality is a lifestyle, for instance. Um, uh, a lifestyle to me is a trend. Um, your orientation is a state of being. It's who you are, not what you do. Homosexuality is not um, a same-sex action, but a same-sex attraction, meaning you don't have to do anything, just be. In fact, I just came from the event, and that was the uh, the topic was just to be. So, um, for instance, when we talk about Leviticus, uh, there are, you know, definitely two passages which, you know, are clearer than any others, Old Testament and New, on whether or not homosexual relationships are condemned. Most of us who are uh, either gay or no gay people, we often scratch our heads uh, when we're confronted with these two verses, and we often dismiss them as archaic rules uh, that just don't mean anything. Uh, and, they, you know, for the Christian, we understand <clears throat> the Scripture's are divinely inspired. Now, that, that is something that I do not refute. Um, I do uh, aspire to the idea or the ideology that uh, scriptures are divinely inspired. But I if think they're inspired, that they are divinely inspired. Are they, they error-free? Are they error-free? Well, I don't know if we'll ever know that. I don't know if we'll ever know that. Scriptures uh, do we take literally, and which ones are open to interpretation? You said which ones do we? Uh, take and I think that I think that that that's uh, reserved for each person individually. Um, so if I, I think take a that we have. I so think if I take a scripture like take a scripture like Romans ten and nine that says, "If I confess and believe, I will be saved." That's open to interpretation. It, it could be, it could be. I believe that you know it's it's each individuals. Uh, so it's a moving target. Walk. So it's a moving target. It's a moving target. So what, what you're you saying is that target? there is no absolute truth. No, truth it, is it, relative. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We don't no, have just, to. I was just ask <laughs> if it's up to my interpretation of how I feel. The scripture hitting you that day, that's what it is for that day. But if I come to greater understanding, it changes. 
if you come to a greater understanding, then it probably will change for you. Like Genesis 1-1 where it says God created the heavens and the earth that can be taken as something else. And some things you can't take it as anything else and just be what it is. That's not what that's not what was said earlier. So what 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 are you asking me? No, I'm asking you. You were saying that some of the scriptures were taken literal. You you can take some of them literally, and some of them you have to filter through culture and who it was written to at the time. Exactly. So exactly. If I don't believe that God created the heavens and the earth now. That statement's not true. Because no, I believe just because you don't believe it, first. just because you don't believe it, doesn't make it not true. Yeah, but I who know decides which ones are true and not? And in other words, is truth relative, or yeah. is truth is there a, is there an absolute truth, or is truth relative, based on your feelings and your beliefs at the time? <laughs> I, believe, like, I, believe I believe the whole Bible hangs on that first sentence. In the beginning, okay, God I'll... created the heavens and the earth. If, if that's in, if that's in doubt, the rest of that Bible, man, is you know we can do whatever we want with it, whenever we want to it. Okay, I would. I think that, I, I hear well, what you're saying, and, and it make it, you you making real good sense. That's that's very good, great words, and another, but another aspect to that, and I'm not siding with anybody, but. The Bible also says that if you believe that you're sinning, then you're sinning. So whatever your spirit is telling you you're doing wrong, then you're you're doing it wrong. But at the same time, if you continue that. to... Yeah, what scripture oh, yeah, is that? I've never read that. What scripture yeah, is I that? Yeah, I think the Bible says I, this is sin whether you believe it or not. This is God's standard. No, no, no. Wait, where where does about, it say that? What scripture does it say if you believe you're sinning, you're sinning? I will. I will give. I'll give that to you in the middle of the show because I'm not. I didn't. I didn't go on uh, Bible Gateway yet. But I'll. I'll pull that up for you in a second because it says if you're led by the Spirit to do something and you don't do it, then you're sinning. So, it just so then because, it becomes. So then it becomes a question of conviction. Right. So that's where that's where I'm at with that. And I'll I'll find that question. I mean, I'll find that scripture for you in a minute. But uh, but Pastor E, you know, I got to ask you a, a, this other question. I wanted to know because. Your sexual preference is one thing, and then you're preaching the word of God. Um, how did that come? How did that? How did those two meet? When you when you when you, when you came to call, but you was called while you was in your homosexuality state, or or saying, okay, I am a homosexual, but I'm called to preach the word of God. I mean, how how did that all take place? If you don't mind sharing with us, uh, it took place. Uh, very uncomfortable, uncomfortably, I had already been in uh, ministry, ministry, not preaching ministry, for many years before I actually answered the call of preaching ministry. And as I said earlier, it has always been a struggle. Um, it has always been an uh, emotional battle. Um, it has been a spiritual battle to try to reconcile uh, this part with uh, the, the call um, And at some point I had to uh, I had to come to grips with it And realize that I could not Say no to my call Because I had an issue 
Okay, now, now, brothers, you stated earlier, all the rest of the brothers on the phone, you just stated earlier that God can do anything when I asked you, um, do you believe anybody can call, is called to preach? And, and all and you Darren, guys did yes. yes, sir. Darren, let me just say I agree with them 100%. Um, uh, for, for one, the Scripture says that in the last day I will pour, pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That means everybody, all. Fans are about it, so I agree with them 100% that yes, he can use anyone. Okay, hey, uh, hey, uh, can uh, I ask hey, you a question? Hold on one second, Andrew. One second, you can ask him in a second. One second, Andrew, that scripture, Romans 14 and 23. Okay. That I was referring to, so you can, you can check that out. Now go ahead and ask your question, sir. Yeah, I wanted to know what influence do you think you was born that way, or was there any incidents in your life that may have shaped your orientation? Um, I do believe that I I was born this way. Um, I do also believe that everyone is not born this way. Sometimes it is a situation or a circumstance that happens uh, that may have pushed them to that, but I never experienced that. I never experienced uh, someone and let's just call the elephant out. I never experienced someone molesting me. Um, I had both parents in home, I, both father and mother. I was under the hood with my daddy every Saturday morning or some junk car, you know, on the tow truck, all of that. Um, but my attraction uh, towards uh, females, just, it was never there. And, and I tried to make it be there. Uh, I tried to get with the young ladies at the church and, oh, you know, they try to put us together, it's going to be your wife and you're going to take over your granddaddy's church and blah, blah, blah. But that, that attraction was never there, never there. Even even if I tried to force it, it wasn't there. So now, how, I, I, how, I would say yes. I yeah, would how was your, how was your uh, relationship with your mother? I mean, or and also what was the relationship between your mother and your father? Um, we had a, a very good relationship. Um, the, the latter years, and this was, this was my stepfather, um, he was not, you know, the perfect father, but he was a father. You know, he was more of a father than, than my real father. My, he, my real father wasn't around. My real father was away in the Army, and uh, my stepfather was there. He taught us all the things, quote, unquote, how to be a man how to stand up for your family, how to defend your family, how to take care of your family, how to hustle, you know, for your family. But that had no bearing on sexuality. And can I get some clarification, please? You mentioned that you struggled, and I wasn't clear on whether you struggled with your homosexuality or your call to the ministry, or did you struggle with both? I struggled with both. Um, I struggled with the homosexuality aspect more so uh, in my middle school and high school uh, years. And I think at that time, all of us have a, can attest to, you know, that's that time you're changing and you find out about yourself and find out about your body and all these hormones are raging. You don't really know what to do with them. And so uh, I struggled with that and... I struggle with, you know, I know I should be liking this girl, but that ain't who I like. Uh, she's 
she's cute, whatever, she's nice to look at, but that is not, that's not what I want. Um, that's not really doing it for me. And so that just kind of connected with ministry. It was just like, you know, hey, now you're called to preach. Now what you going to do? And so I even lived many years, many years in hiding, uh, you know, living a double life. Put on one face at church and another face at home. You know, and I think somebody actually mentioned that earlier, even as it relates to heterosexual married couples. How they'll have one face on at home, but as soon as they hit the pulpit, it's another face. And I, I had to live that. I had to live that. Hey, I'd like to I'd like to address the uh, the, the scripture that you pulled out, Darren. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the scripture you pulled out was talking about uh, whether you um, eat meat. Um, that somebody else feels is is um, is a sin because it's donated to idols and all that kind of thing. That has nothing to do with what you know, with with <laughs> whether you believe something you know that God said is a sin. God God spells out exactly what sin is, and that scripture you gave me has nothing to do with whether we feel something's a sin. That, that's talking about somebody else has been offended. Listen, that was. I know you okay. don't want to make the Bible study, but no, 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 no. Whether no, we no, believe no, something's a sin or not, if God says something's a sin, either the Bible is true or it's not. That's that's. Somebody said it in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and if He does, if He did that, and and He wrote the Bible, then then that, I mean that's the core. Either you believe the Bible is true or it's not. Either you believe that. Some things are true and some things are not. If you, if you believe some things are true and some things are not, who divides what's true and what's not? This is the, the example that I gave you in Romans uh, 14 and 23. The reason why I gave you that is that was just one set-aside example, and it just so happened to be talking about food. If you believe that it's a sin to eat that, then if you eat it because you know it's a sin, to, if you believe that it's a sin to eat it and you eat it, then you're sinning. So the same thing goes, the same concept. If I believe that going to my mailbox and, 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 uh, and whistling at a lady across the street or looking at her walk down the street when she walked past me, if I believe that, that that's a sin if I'm looking at her, but just because I didn't touch her, just because I didn't whistle at her, just because I didn't, didn't make any gestures, and she didn't even see me, but if I felt condemned and I felt that it was a sin to look at her, then guess what? That's a sin. So in that so, example, it wait a minute. If, if I feel that sleeping with another woman, although I'm married, is not a sin, then it's not a sin. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're already saved and you already know, your spirit is going to lead you to do certain things. But wait if a your second, there's a lot of people that have deadened their spirit, and they 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 are living a total lifestyle in rebellion to God, and they don't have convictions. Okay, if you believe, so Andrew, okay, is, hold on a second, hold on a second, Andrew. If you believe that it's a sin to drink because God told you not to drink because he had you on a certain mission, that doesn't go for everybody. That no, doesn't it doesn't, but drinking the word of God sin. specifically lays out certain sins. Okay, exactly. and if I don't right. believe that 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 that, that <laughs> sleeping with my my friend's wife is a sin, so then that's not a sin because I don't believe it. I'm okay with that. I don't and let me say something. And let, let me say something too, Jaron, because you you mentioned the word conviction as relates to sin. And there's some people that sit in church on Sunday, 
and the mm-hmm. plate goes around, and they know they got money in their pocket, and they get convicted, and they don't put anything in that plate. Does that mean that they sin? Well, if you, it depends, and I'm going to say this uh, because of this is my this is part of my belief. And they feel convicted. They feel like, oh, you know, I got this money in my pocket. I should put it in the plate. Pass. Once they, pass now, if week. they feel, now you just said it. If they feel convicted, then they should they then they that's what they should do what their spirit tells them to do. If they and if they don't feel convicted, I don't feel convicted when I don't tithe as the traditional church church would would uh, would tell, have us to believe we have to do. Okay, I don't believe that's a whole that's a whole other issue because that's well, a this, this is what Tony asked me. This Tony asked me this. Okay, so I'm just answering this okay. question. But tithing, if if it's a belief system, which many pastors try to make pe- the congregation believe that it's a sin if they don't do it, as if God is some kind of spiritual ATM, then then that's what if they believe that if I don't tithe, then this is going to happen to me. Then they should do what they believe. If okay, I don't okay. believe, I'll give you another example because I don't want to get okay. into tithing because it wasn't about tithing; it was about no. the conviction of not tithing. So I'll, I'll give you another example. So I'm out in the street and I see somebody doing wrong. I see somebody that I know that's married that's with another woman, and I don't mm-hmm. say anything to him, but I feel convicted that I should have. Did I just sin? If you feel convicted that you should have, I don't think that, I don't feel that that's a sin. I feel like you just mind your own business, especially if you feel like that you already done told that brother one time. You already done told him, look, man, don't be doing that, and he's doing it Switching anyway. Switching up what you said. Already somebody help him. Somebody help him. Somebody help him. what you said. Okay, so, 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 man, he's hitting down a path. I got a question. Is Pastor E still on the line? I have to say one thing real quick. I think all the examples we just threw out. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. I think all the yes. examples we just threw out of if I'm being convicted of this and this and this, I think this is why God just lays down the standard and says, whether you believe it or not, this is what it is. Right. It, you see, our feelings change every 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. No, I, I 30 feel, seconds. Every 30 seconds. Every yeah, 30 seconds. No, I, was, I was trying to stretch it out a little bit, but I know mine, <laughs> it changes like the wind. <laughs> That's one of the problems with marriage because people believe that love is a feeling. Yeah. Okay. And if you base love on a feeling, one day you won't feel like loving that woman. Andrew, Andrew, let him finish. He wasn't finished. Sorry. Let him finish. No, I was was finished. That was the quick one. I I think this is just proving the point as this is why why God took it out of man's hands as to what's sin and what's not. It's past the east over the line. Yeah, yes, sir. I'm still here. Yes, sir. I got, I got, I got a question. Um, would you, would you, would you feel comfortable sharing, sharing a little bit of your call story, like how, how you knew you were called to preach? Um, yeah. Um, uh, as I said already, I was in uh, ministry, just kind of. Wanted to be on the organ, play the organ, lead praise and worship at church, you know. Um, but I always found myself going to teaching and preaching in my uh, my rehearsals, and uh, even sometimes uh, I've been told uh, during praise and worship moments. And so um, I had heard the Lord say to me uh, that this is not all; that you cannot stay. Here, in, in in other words, in music ministry, this is not all. 
and uh, I'm calling you to something else. And uh, as the years went on, um, after fasting and praying, that you know, on my belief of fasting and praying, it became more clear to me that I was really called to the preaching ministry. Um, and even then, I resisted. I resisted. Um, I ran from it. Um, I left my grandfather's church, and I went and played for all kinds of churches all over the place. And uh, I ended up being right back at home, and the word of prophecy came to me that I could not run from it any longer um, and that God was going to deal with me if I continued to to run from it. And that's when I gave him my yes. Right. Pastor, okay, do now, you believe adultery is a sin? I do. <laughs> do you believe that if a pastor is married in, in an adulterous relationship that he's still qualified to preach to the pastorate, to the congregation? <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe that it changes his call. Um it's just you believe it's just he's down until he deals with that then? Say say again. Do you believe that he should step down until he deals with that sin? Or if he's in a lifestyle of sin, is it okay for him to still lead the congregation? Well, if he doesn't feel um, like he's sinning, then it's okay, Andrew. Darren just told you that. <laughs> so as long as the pastor, even though the Bible says that, the, and it's if, he if he doesn't, if he doesn't God, feel it, man, it's all right. Man. As long as the pastor doesn't, doesn't feel that that's a sin, um, because the way he divides the word, then he can, he can lead the congregation. Is that what you're saying? Well, you guys can have it, a question. Uh, hold on, and, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, I really want an answer. That's, that's relevant to the whole conversation. I know where all of this is This is going back to, but the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin. And I really, I, I hate to answer your question with a question, but I really want to know. Well, he, was, he was talking about this, adultery. He was talking about adultery with a woman. Yeah, I, I, and I get that, but, but let's talk about the elephant in the room. The no, 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 no. A- answer the question first, then we'll deal with the elephant. Okay, hold, hold on. Let him answer this. In other words, if a, if a pastor is in a habitual lifestyle of sin, um, is he still qualified at that point, whether he's called or not, is he still qualified at that point to lead a congregation? Why would that disqualify him from being what he is called to be? Okay, so I got your answer, no problem. I agree with that, too. Now, should he still be oh, a preaching? I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, no, go ahead and answer that question. question. Go, ahead. Go, ahead. Go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Who? 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 Go ahead, Should that pastor, he or she, uh, still, if they are... If someone has spoken to them and said, hey, you know what, you need to stop doing whatever you're doing, whatever, blah, 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 uh, and they choose to continue to do whatever they're doing, I don't think that it is the place of the congregation to say, you need to sit down. I believe that God will deal with them uh, in the way that he chooses to deal with them. So the congregation can't so, hold a pastor accountable? Yes, well, they no, should hold him accountable. They should hold him, he or she accountable 
uh, him or her accountable, but I don't think it's the congregation's place to rebuke the pastor. Um, and it kind of goes back to what you said, one of you all said earlier, that every, this is one of the reasons every pastor should have a pastor or a covering. Yeah, I, I said that, and, and this is from learned experience. When I was called into ministry, I was called into a ministry of preparation and to prepare to effectively lead God had to deal with a lot of things in my life. I, mine was alcohol, and I knew I couldn't be a drunk pastor because I couldn't effectively divide the word in every area because I still had ongoing sin. So he had to deal with that. Would you say that was a conviction? Would you say? Would you say, would you call that your conviction? Yeah, uh, yeah you can call it conviction. Or you can just call it dollar. You could just call it, yeah, I couldn't get up on Sunday morning drunk. <laughs> but also the yeah. word of God speaks exactly yeah. against that. Yeah, and, and, and I lined up with what I was feeling, the conviction, with what the word of God was saying. Um, so that's, that's what I'm saying. For me, everything ties back to the word of God. It's not my feelings. Um, it's not what I think or what people are saying. If you can't tie back to the word of God. I think that those two examples that were just given by um, the pastor um, and then and then Andrew, I think that they don't, in my opinion, they don't uh, cover this this particular topic appropriately unless you say that the pastor is preaching that adultery is okay, and the pastor is preaching that drinking is okay. If he's probably doing that, but he's still giving the accurate word, then that's not necessarily a problem. I think the difference with Pastor E. That he's preaching that homosexuality homosexuality is okay, and that's the difference between, in my opinion, those examples that you gave in order to apply to his reality. Here's here's the here's the thing with any sin, if if, if it's ongoing on your, in your life, and you've been called to speak on it, and you know it's ongoing in your life, you can't fully give yourself over to that text. And I'm not just calling out one sin. I'm just calling about people in their lives. I'm not going to attack anybody. I'm just saying this is just what you're called to. And this is why I said at the beginning, everybody can be called, but to fulfill that calling requires God to invade every area of your life. Can I ask a question? Yes, sir. Go ahead, uh, class. All right. Uh, uh, before I do, I'm going to say, uh, say this to the panel just to see if they observe something. You know, uh, many a times, uh, I, I actually do learn from this show, but many a times when uh, we make statements, I think what doesn't get understood uh, is that, for me, uh, some people are in the practice of a certain thing, and some people are in the application of a certain thing. So when I hear the got you questions that some people put forth, I respect it and I understand it. But it's coming from a place of this is what I practice as opposed to what the gentlemen are, 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 are suggesting. This is what I apply. And the two do not always mean Christianity. It means that someone's applying and someone is 
practicing. That's why you kind of alluded to absolute. Now, I know when I say stuff like this, I get labeled a, what's that word, pimp, which I found very disrespectful, but I'll deal with that another time. My question to you, gentlemen, is this. Um, in all that you do, I come from a point of helping, so I, I take it very hard when I find that something I've relayed to a person has went awry for them. Uh, in, in, in all that you share, uh, coming from your ministries, if you found, if, if, because I'm quite sure you may not have experiences, but if you found that something that you've shared has actually confounded several different lives in the negative, because that's not your intention, how would you then go back to reevaluate what you have relayed? Who are you addressing that question to, Classy? That was a long question, brother. Yeah, I couldn't even understand it. I caught, oh, the, no. I caught the last yeah. part. Yeah, I'll make it. I'll, I'll make it simple because you, you you said you didn't understand it. When 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 I when I was a counselor, when I try to help somebody, I try to help so that they get victory in their situation. Okay. Uh, what what the panel is basically saying is, how can you do that if you're practicing X? So what I'm asking is, if these gentlemen are practicing a certain thing, a belief, not saying it's right or wrong, but if it doesn't help the end user, can you keep up? Can, can you understand that? If it doesn't help the end user, how do they then reconcile that? At the end of the day, you, you have to really be able to define whether or not it helped them because it may not have immediately helped them, but maybe it will pan out. Maybe, you know, over time it, it really would have helped you know, well, you I know believe what? that that if you're preaching the whole gospel, it's going to step on 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 everybody's toes at some point because none of us is perfect. All of us have dropped the ball and fallen short. Um, if if we're trying to tr preach, you know, the feel good gospel, maybe we should just listen to Joel Osteen. Um, you know, wow. Preach the, the wow. The if we're gonna I actually kind of like Joel Osteen, okay. <laughs> nothing wrong with Joel Osteen. I mean, you know, it, it, it yeah, makes you feel okay. good. The Bible, isn't a, the Bible isn't about making us feel good. The Bible is about the truth. And if there isn't a truth, then, then, then there's nothing to base it on. If truth is relative, then there's no truth. Okay? But at the one end of the day, the truth is at the same time. There has to be a truth. Now, I'm not saying that, that I have the truth. I'm just saying there has to be a truth. And if, if the Word of God is not the truth, then we don't know and we have no basis to base our lives on. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Andrew, you was one of the people, uh, and I'm not just picking on you. I'm just saying you uh, right now because you just Pick on me, man. Pick on me. Okay, well, I'll pick on you then. <laughs> uh, you just said that anybody, God can call anybody to preach. And Absolutely. then when I brought, and when I brought uh, quote, unquote, anybody to the panel that I said he was called to preach, it sounds like you're wavering what you said before, earlier. Absolutely not, okay, because he doesn't call perfect people. All right, um, and I believe God can call anybody to preach, okay? But we've got to preach the pure word of God, okay? And that doesn't mean that I've never met a perfect pastor. That doesn't mean that we don't have blind spots in different areas that we have to work on. 
okay? God's called me into ministry, and believe me, I've got my areas. But in, in, in my walk, he's working on different areas in me. Because I'm, I'm not negotiating and saying, well, that part, God, isn't true. So because I don't agree with what your word says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that's okay. When I fall, I know and I'm working on it. He's working on me. And, and we're all in that state. He can call anyone to preach. He can call anybody out of any sin. Okay, but when you say that, that this is not sin because I believe it's not sin, Mm-hmm. And that's when you start treading on difficult problem, difficult waters in my mind, because either the the word of God is the word of God, or it's just God's suggestions. Right, the words. That's cool. Can I, 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 can, I, I, add, can I add mm-hmm. something real quick? Yes, sir. And I and I'll deal with you know what you know what the past in Atlanta is dealing with is that you know oftentimes we t- we. In the conversation, we're talking about, you know, what God said we shouldn't do. But oftentimes, we forget to, to look at what God tells us to do. And I'm going to ask a question to anybody who can answer. What was, what was the first commandment God gave Adam? Commandment? Commandment? Yeah, what was the first instruction he gave to Adam? In my word. No, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Multiply, right. So if if that is the job of of a of a person, that's irrespective of your position, whether you're pastor, deacon, or just a parishioner, uh your your job as a man is to be fruitful and multiply. Okay, so mm-hmm. you can't you cannot do that. Engage in a relationship with someone you can't multiply with. The second thing is um, there was a there was a parable, or I don't know if it was a parable, but Jesus he saw a fig tree, and the fig tree uh, wasn't producing figs. And so he cursed the tree. And I think this goes along with a lot of what a lot of people are saying is saying that if you're called to do a certain job, but you're not producing the fruit of that position, then you're 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 cursed in your particular position. So you're saying not, that the prophet you you're saying that since the prophet Elijah didn't. Uh, bring anybody to to be called or to be saved, then you saying that he was not productive? No, that's not what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Because I'm sure, I mean, I think that the story about Je- uh, Elijah and Jeremiah, whoever you're referring to, uh, I think it just proves the point of being of being being obedient to God, no matter what the result is. Right. Okay. But I think, but I think, I think, in dealing with, you know. If the Bible says one thing, and then you want to come up with your own interpretation of, of you know, what it, it is, then I think you're on dangerous ground because you can lead a lot of people down the wrong path if you try to interpret something that's clearly black and white. I mean, okay. Is this, yeah, yeah, and and, and one of the things, I'm going to add one more thing to that. Uh, there are certain things in all religions 
that are that are common that correspond to one another. We kind of talked about this last week. Abomination through uh, a same-sex relationship is categorically correspondent to all faiths. You cannot point to a faith that says that that is an option because they understand what the impact of that is. It may not be directly to the person, but it may it may show uh, a wrong example. So, okay. But the, the issue that, with with that the issue with that type of stuff and, and what the pastor before just said is there's some people who are alive without the ability to have children, so they can't be fruitful and multiply. And then there are some people who are born. I mean, I've heard too many homosexuals say it. They're born homosexual. And, and, and there's, you know, there's nothing they can do about it. What are they con- condemned for finding love in in, in life on Earth, in a, in a no. place like America where, you know, love in life on Earth is very possible. And, and so that takes me to a question that I want to ask the, the Pastor E, if he's still on the phone. Um, do you think that if you were not homosexual, you would have the same views of the Bible? And that's that's my question to you. Uh, Darren, you know yes, I sir. really, I really don't know. I really um, don't no, that, that wasn't me. That was uh, my, <laughs> my, uh, that was a great question, oh, by the way. I'm sorry, great question. But I, to be honest with you, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would have to be heterosexual to know. And, and the okay. reason that I ask that is because I think ultimately, people like Pastor E, who, who I will never deny his calling. Pastorship, because I've had my own personal spiritual re- experience, and even your cousin DJ, um, um, Darren. The thing is, they just want to be loved by God. That's really all they want, and it just it just leaves a bad dilemma for he- you know when you got heterosexual Christians trying to understand homosexual Christians. And see, that's what I that's, that's what I kind of w- w- was alluding to is that. When you're trying to help another individual, you're really trying to meet that individual where they are and less of where you are. I hope that simplifies it. It's, it's that when, you, when, when it's more so of, because there's a lot of things I have said to people that I do not necessarily even practice for myself, but I know it to be true to help them get where they need to get. And I said this on this show before, and I'll be quiet, Darren. I said this on oh, no, the show before, <laughs> is that uh, I view re- uh, spirituality like martial arts, okay? There's fisticuffs, there's ninjas, there's samurai, there's Islam, Judaism, Christianity. I believe that if you got a drunken teacher, he does not necessarily teach you everything you know to defend against move X. I believe that if you're in Christianity, if you got an improper leader, that is subject to happen. So that's why I said that when you're sharing stuff with folks, even me sharing this right now, I'm careful in saying it in such a way that it helps someone and not necessarily hurts them. And I think that, and it's my final point, I think that if we come from a standpoint of not realizing that our own desires may play into some of our leadership, 
good or bad, affect mm-hmm. mm-hmm. an individual, and are we mm-hmm. ready to, to own that? Are we ready to say, you know what, I spoke X, Y, Z, and this pants out for this person, I need to do better. Can we do that? Mm-hmm. That would be the question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great word. Yeah, um, and I'll respond to that. I, I re- can I respond to that? Um, yes, sir. Go ahead, Rod. Um, somebody, I, I got to find that. Who? That noise. Y'all hear that noise? I don't know where yeah, it is. Uh, let me let me try to find it. Someone in their car. Nope, not that one. Is somebody Hold in on. their car? Is somebody in their car? Can they mute their phone? Can everybody mute their phone that's not talking? Okay, much better. Um, okay. Thank you. I guess, thank you, yeah. I guess I'm just conflicted on the uh, the point that, okay, we meet folks where they are, but where does the peace, um, and I'm not a, a, a steward of the Bible, but I know that um, somewhere in Romans it talks about do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right, and I guess my whole piece about that is, as far as uh, okay, we meet somebody where they are, but isn't it intolerant of us as a fellow Christian to leave them where they are and in their thinking? Well, if you're going to leave them where they are in their thinking, and if they're thinking. If they already got it set in their heart what is right, then you can't mislead them into thinking that your right is their right. Uh, I think my cousin DJ made a, a perfect point when he when he was talking about this very subject, and he stated, "My truth is not your truth." So, in in that, that point sense, is invalid. I mean, that point is invalid because I don't have any truth. Rodney doesn't have any truth. But your question was, should we lead the person into the the truth, right? Pretty much. Yeah, and not again, not Rodney's truth. I'm talking about. I don't have any truth. I didn't write nothing down. So you're I'm saying the truth? Okay, hey, the truth. Let's say. Let's say if you're talking about somebody help. Somebody help. Okay, somebody go, help. Ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Rodney, I, I got you when they finish. <laughs> I want. I want to comment. Uh, for me, and I and I've been I've been on the call for the most you know for the most part, um, and I, I said I was a pastor earlier, but I think for me that is one of uh, the greatest joys of pastoring, uh, as opposed to preaching. And the reason I say that is because essentially when the minister is preaching at you or preaching to you, you leave on Sunday morning at Sunday morning or whenever you're there um, with que- with questions. You know what I'm saying? You you walk away from that experience with questions, whether you whether you like it or not. You know, you have questions. I think for me, the joy of pastoring is that I get to do follow-up. And so when we talk about truth and leaving people where they are, one of the joys for me in pastoring is I get to do follow-up. And so when that individual leaves on Sunday and may have a question throughout the week or come on Wednesday night, you know, Bible study night, whenever that night is, that there's follow-up. 
And so if I did put something out there and they took the wrong way, heard the wrong way, received the wrong way, I can expound, I can explain, I can share and add to what was given to them. So I'm not necessarily leaving them kind of on the cliff, you know, kind of saying do what you want with it, you know, but there is some follow-up. Right. For perceptive, that's if that's if everyone is perceptive and want a deeper under understanding of what you said on Sunday. Oh well, now, now, now listen. Now that that's that's free will. Now everybody, every there gonna be some people who want to follow up. There's gonna be some people who don't. They just walk away with their questions, and that's fine. But I'm saying for the ones that do, you don't leave them on the cliff. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you're not standing there saying, you know, this is this accepted, and you can't ask no questions. I don't think that's who he's talking about. I don't think he's talking about the in, uh, the individuals that that are receptive to uh, or want the word expounded towards them. I'm thinking he's talking about, or maybe he, uh, he can. Uh, I, I, let, let me let me clarify, and then I'll pay. I know Classy wants to um, rebut me, and that's fine. But I'll relate this to a teenager that comes in uh, to the church uh, wearing jeans and. Jordans or LeBrons and whatever. It's fine. You know, come on in. That's cool. But after three years, you've been in the youth ministry program and you've been coming on, you know, once or twice a week. There should be a transforming of your mind that, you know, maybe you don't dress the same how you go to the store, to school, that you might, you know, show up. Um, in you know some different wear, and again it goes back to my point in Romans about you know that's not for me to tell that that young man or woman to adjust their attire uh, once they become I guess mature spiritually mature more spiritually mature than than when they came in five years ago or whatever they would want they would act different. Um, they would dress different. They would talk different. So it's mm-hmm. not leaving them in the same state that, you know, they're basically just five years in and there's no change. There's no renewal of the mind. There's no transformation, I guess, uh, is, my, is my point. So do you think so. it's no trans? Do you think it's no transformation because they don't think what they're doing is wrong? Well, I mean, because my whole point about my, my whole point about transformation is that you cannot you cannot do the same thing you did five years ago. Um, but I, like I, that, I, it, say, and it's in stages. I, Go ahead, help me, help me. Well, I'll just say this. I mean, and, and again, I'm, I mean, I pastor a decent sized church. But what I'll say is, you, you know, as far as dress, I would say don't don't judge dress only because you got some Christians that just got some swag. You know what I mean? I got some young guys, and they, they look. They could talk about the Bible in in a major way, but they yeah, they that was probably a bad example. That was probably no, a bad no, no. Example. But but I but I like I like your point because, and I think you drove home for for me another point that we were talking about earlier, and that was effectiveness in ministry. You know, what do you consider effectiveness in ministry? And for me, using the clothes as an example, for me, I think I measure effectiveness on that. I may win somebody to Christ who comes in, a young girl, and a young lady in particular, who doesn't necessarily have church attire, shows up in club dress on Sunday morning. 
Now, everybody else is eyeing her saying, I can't believe she came in here with that dress that's at her thigh and didn't come in here with a dress that's at her ankles. Now, for me, I'm, 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 I'm saying, I'm seeing her as she came in what she had. I'm a preach to her. Prayerfully, we can win her. Now, if we win her for Christ and in 12 months, right, she changes her dress, for me, that's a measurement of effectiveness in ministry because I didn't necessarily go to her and beat her over the head with a 10-pound Bible, but the Word of God and, and conviction of the Holy Spirit caused her to make some changes on her own, i.e. transformation. There it is. Thank you, Claire. That's a good word. Well, okay. well, you know, if there's a lot of people that have been Christians for 20 years that literally are still one-year babes in Christ. Exactly. And... You know, and if you danger, don't grow, you, you can be a Christian for a lot of years and still be on the milk of the word. Um, if and you're not, if you're not growing in God's word, you have to, you know. And again, it comes back to somebody said, "Hey, either either you know Genesis one one is true or it's not. Either God created the heavens and the earth, and and He is the the, the creator of everything, or or you know." We're just kind of out here wandering on our own. And if God is the creator and his word is, is his word, then we can't negotiate with it based on our feelings or where we are at the time. I mean, well, I, I wish we it, could it, change the Bible. I'd change a lot of doggone things. I mean, from, from, from a human's perspective. Here's the deal. This is probably my final comment for tonight. Here's the deal. Uh, to your point about persons who have been in, been in church all their life and may only be one year old as it relates to their maturity. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people have reduced transformation to dress and church jargon and not necessarily renewing of the mind and changing mm-hmm. of the heart. There's a lot of people who come to church and can dress church, talk church, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, when the last and final day comes and God asks those great two questions, which is, one, did you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength, they're going to say yes. The other question is going to be, did you love your neighbor as yourself? And many folks are going to say no to that because they were too focused on just my dress and my talk that I never got an opportunity or never grew in the word enough to love on my neighbor. Mm. So let me ask you this. Because most, most folks believe it's going to be me and Jesus alone, and I don't got to be nice to people. I don't got to be kind <laughs> to people. But the reality <laughs> is, is that the reality is this, is that on the final day, according to Scripture, Jesus will ask that question about loving the neighbor. And here's what he says in the Bible, and that's this. When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was mm. naked, did you clothe me? When, when I was in prison, did you come and visit me? You with me? <laughs> And most people will have a problem there. They're going to pass the test with, because they, cause they understand this, it's just me and Jesus alone. They're going to pass that test and fail miserably when the second question is raised. So let me ask you this, Pastor. Let me ask you this. According to what you just said, Pastor E qualifies for heaven. And silence no. filled the room. No, no, no. This is why I say I, I this think, is why I'm asking. I think the better question is what sins didn't Jesus die for? Yes, what? That's blasphemy. Listen, to, Dar- to Darren's point, here's the deal, y'all. To Darren's point, here's the deal. I think for, I think for myself, 
a lot of other pastors, ministers, we all have a, uh, a, a biblical reference, a context that we're working from. Are you with me? The reality yeah. is this, is at the end of the day, God is God. He can do what he want to do. Whether I believe homosexuals are going to heaven or not, God is God, and he can do what he want to do. So beyond what my finite mind believes and what my finite interpretation of the scripture is, God can do what he wanted to. That, that, that's what it is at the end of the day. Now, if you add wow. me according to, my, to my, biblical, my biblical reference, my biblical context about homosexuality, again, my reference is this, is that, and what I, and what I believe is, hey, Scripture is absolute truth. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and I may not feel, again, agree with my brother about his status as it relates to homosexuality, you know, whether it be called to preach or just as a lifestyle. I, again, I believe, hey, that it, it's not necessarily what the Bible teaches. However, if my understanding at the end of the day is finite, God's going to have the final say regardless of what I'm saying. Okay. And, that, and, and uh, Rodney, um, that's, that's what I was going to say. I, I mean, it's not a, it's not a read, but it's That's actually, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Go ahead. I got to say it quick before old boy sits up here and say something to Roger. Because if, when anybody else speaks, he don't never speak up. But when I speak, he's got to say something marginal and negative. Man. Wow. Who are you anyway, talking about, class? Who are you talking about? Anyway, anyway so, uh, it, you know, uh, the thing I was going to say, I wasn't going to rebut you. I was just going to uh, suggest that um, – Far as far as the conversation is concerned, what the brother just said is is what I believe. I believe like when you had Ku Klux Klan people killing people, they thought in their minds it was part of the Bible. When you had Ku Klux Klan people uh, being abusive to slaves, they thought when the Amish had it before Christian people took over, they thought it was part of the doctrine. So you're always going to have in my mind people who believe X, Y, and Z. The problem that I find is when you and whatever you believe is not helping, and that's what I was trying to allude to. When anything you do, even something that's non-homosexual, is not helping people that you're ministering to, then we just can't say, well, that's just you, or maybe you're not interpreting right. No, it kind of, it kind of goes back to that victory thing. It's not working. So that's why I asked the question that never got answered was if if a, if a person, a pastor, straight or, or otherwise, finds that what they're relaying is not helping those people, let's not say what well, we can never tell. Let's you you can if you're a leader, you can tell what's helping and what's not. Do you then go back and reevaluate? Or do you stay to your doctrine? And what I've heard so far is, no, I'm going to stick to what I stick to, and the chips will fall how they fall, and God will sort it out. That's not real pastoring to me. But you know, you know what's classy? You hold know on, what hold point on, you hold just... on, hold on, hold on. I was talking to Ryan. I was talking to Ryan. No need to attack me. No need to attack me like you always do. I was talking to Me? I was talking to Ryan. Hey, class. I, it wasn't me, brother. I, I I haven't spoken a minute, so it definitely wasn't me. But <laughs> from, see, see. So what I'm hearing here, right? And I'm gonna try to read between the lines, okay? And what I think that you're saying is, and if we're talking about Pastor E, 
with the with his congregation and mm-hmm. his interpretation of what the word is. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. With his interpretation of, of what his interpretation of what the word is, and some of us highly disagree with his interpretation of the word. So if he is if he is leading people with his interpretation of the word that may not be the correct interpretation of the word, it's not doing any good. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying if he's leading or I'm leading. No, I'm. If I'm leading and the people that I'm leading to are not week by week, month by month getting better, if they're getting more confused, if they're getting more uh, uh, out of uh, alignment, with God, if they're getting more of these things happening, and I see it as a leader, I then have to say to myself, like I did when I was counseling, hey, dude, you got to get better at that or stop doing it. And that's my question is I was trying to find out, I'm not trying to point anything toward any of the gentlemen. I was sincerely trying to find out where is the threshold of integrity as a pastor when Mm -hmm. you, you say, hey, Things are not benefiting. Things are not edifying for them. They're coming to church. They're paying tithes, but I don't see the life changing. I see uh, uh, Miss Betty on her third girlfriend. I see uh, Mr. Tom on his 20th boyfriend. That's not something that that is sticking to the parameters of what this religion says. So I will agree. So I, let, let me, I will agree with him halfway, which is why I said halfway, in that if you're doing it and somebody is growing in some type of way, hey, maybe your way is working. But my question was, if it's not, then what do you do? Hey, ultimately, well, hey, Clancy, there's... Can I say something, please? Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. My name is Brandon. I'm a deacon in training. How's everybody doing today? All right. Um, What's up, bro? Um... Um, to, to alluding to uh, some of the things that have been going on, I, I just want to first say this is an amazing um, uh, I'm very much a point. But um, my question is, or more so a statement, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, my walk with God, is, isn't that, at the end of the day, isn't my responsibility and my, my walk with God? Or is it because I'm uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm mis mis mishearing. Because first, I, I, you all were talking about clothes, and if a person comes in the same way they came in with the same clothes on, then they 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 have not changed. And then I guess my my main course is at the end of the day, whether you are gay, straight, bi, or not, isn't at the end of the day, um, isn't isn't your walk with God your walk with God? Not if you're a pastor. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, classy, classy. And I was getting ready to answer that, and I'm glad he said that. He said exactly what I was getting ready to say. We can only put but so much pressure on the pastor. His job is to get up there and open that book and speak from that book. He's speaking from that book. At the end of the day, if you say, I'm not getting fed, then you need to find a way to go somewhere and get fed. You can't sit there and blame it on the pastor and say the pastor's doing a horrible job. Even if he is, you still have to be responsible for your own Knowledge. Your own walk. You follow your own walk. But yes, that is what we were talking about. We wasn't talking about the end user. We was talking about the pastor. 
Now, if we talk about the end user, I will agree with you. We can move the flag, the uh, football goalpost over there to where it's more convenient. We're talking about the person who who says that they're going to be the math teacher of class X. It is if you want to be the math teacher of class X and all of your students are failing in your eyes, then at what point do you reevaluate? Now, we can move the goalposts, and I'm just having a conversation on the topic, so don't feel emotional. Hey, Clancy, hey, one thing that I think, uh, one person that I could just say off the top of my head that fulfills what you're saying is, is basically a very charismatic pastor, somebody like T.D. Jakes. He'd be a good example of that. But he's very, very charismatic. Um, and a lot of these uh, mega church pastors are very, very charismatic. Some are not as charismatic, but they still have a calling to God. And they may not, just like, just like coaches or just like trainers or mentors, that, that charisma is what really produces effectiveness um, a lot of times with people. So, and the charisma really doesn't have much to do with God. Can I, can, can I ask you this, and then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll share the mic. Okay, what if it's more than just charisma? Because I, I respect what you're saying, but I'm going back to when Aaron first started this whole leader of the church thing and what I read about Aaron. It had less to do with charisma. What I'm talking about is these individuals are teachers slash leaders, okay? They have a responsibility to those people that they are speaking unto. And all I'm suggesting is for the topic, and I'll shut up after this, is that why do we say, okay, you're leading, your flock is, is withering, but it's okay. God will fix that out later, and maybe you didn't have enough charisma. No, I'm saying maybe this whole thought process of you being this leader isn't really what you thought it was. And at what point in time do you go back and say, hey, I need to reevaluate. And nobody has thus far, 10 minutes later, has said, you know what, if that did happen, I would reevaluate. But, but they did answer it. And I think that you're, you, you're convicted on what you believe and you can't accept that sometimes the word is falling on deaf ears. If okay, they're actually you, preaching the word and they're not incorporating it in their lives, I guess he could maybe come visit them at home every day and, and walk them through it. But what else can he really do? How did they answer it? Just, just in case I missed it. I think it was on the effectiveness piece, you know, uh, about how do you, like, what is the gauge? Like, how do you measure effectiveness? Is it 20,000 members or is it 20? You know, so I think, you know, along the lines of that. But I do want to go back. Uh, Deacon Brandon, Deacon in training Brandon's question was kind of unanswered. Um, And I want to answer it if I might. And, you know, the answer is yes and no. Um, Am I responsible for my own walk with God? And again, as I stated, you know, I'm I'm no Bible scholar, but I do know as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's somewhere in Proverbs. But, you know, so you know, to your question, um, Brandon, you know, yes, you know, you are absolutely responsible for your own walk. But as your brother, I can help you with your walk. I can sharpen you up, um, you know, and kind of like what we do here. Is just, this is just sharpening. That's all it is. That's why this is an engaging and intelligent, healthy conversation. Um, but it, that's all it is. Now, you can walk away and with it and do what you will, but, um, you know, the whole point about it is that the attempt, you know, not to just say, well, Brandon, you know, you're on your own, bro, you know, just to say, hey, you know, what about this or what about that? And, uh, you know, maybe 
just again bringing up the the accountability piece um, of the the whole ball of wax, if you will. All right, let me, Robbie, can I, uh, can I can I piggyback on you, bro? Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Um, I, and I kind of side with the deacon in training because ultimately, you know, a lot of times people come, and this is this is why I say it's you know it's danger. It, it could be dangerous if you're not teaching the word of God because a lot of people they go to church on Sunday and they don't study the whole week. They don't do any type of study. And so what they do is they come they 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 um they don't take their their Christian responsibility um seriously because they're not studying the word of God and corresponding that to what the pastor says. And what happens is they get caught up in you know the singing, you know the the environment of Show. churches. Yeah, exactly. And say this is a great place. I feel good when I leave, but it, they're almost treating it like drugs. You know what I'm saying? I gotta go get my weekly fix. But if mm-hmm. they study the if they study the Word of God, because ultimately yourself, you have to commit to your salvation. You have to be willing to put forth the work. You know, faith without works is dead. You have to study. You have to live it. You have to apply it. If you don't, if you don't apply it, your pastor's not getting you into heaven. Amen. Hey, Rodney, your, can I answer a question that was asked? Uh, yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody asked, are homosexuals going to heaven? Okay. And um, I'd really like to answer that. And this is probably going to stun some people. But homosexuals will not go to heaven. Okay. Um, neither will adulterers. Neither will will gossips. Neither will anyone with any sin on them go to heaven. We have pet peeve sins that we, we pull out as the sin. But the bottom line is, if we're not washed in the blood of Christ, we're sinners and we're not going to heaven. Okay, so Andrew. Uh, that doesn't mean okay, that somebody has, has committed... Go ahead. No, I got I'm I a question. Um, well, that doesn't right, mean so that anybody I, I, has committed a sin and going to heaven. Said. That means uh, if we have an experience... Hold on, hold on, Andrew, Andrew, let, let, him ask, let him ask you a question, Andrew. You, okay. Let him, let him ask you a question. Yeah, because, you know, I grew up good old Southern Baptist. I heard that every Sunday. I even had a pastor who every Sunday he preached about hell. So I, I, I trust him. That part I get. But my, my question is, when God, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for sin. Did he not, he died, he did not give specific sins. So am I mistaken on that? You're exactly right. And that was my so if he Okay, I'm, I'm not done. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, that was my first question. That's two. But if, if he died for all sins, Right. When you sit up and you sit here and say, and you confess with your mouth, I am saved. And Lord, Father, forgive me for what I did. Right. And once he forgives you, regardless right. of anything else, if he has forgiven you, how can you say we're not, people are not going to go to heaven? Okay, you didn't hear what I just said. Okay, you grabbed your sin and got offended. I wasn't trying to offend you. What I was trying to say is anyone that hasn't accepted Christ is a sinner. You see, homosexuals, when they're washing the blood, are no longer guilty of homosexuality. Just like a doctor. So, so ultimately, you're saying that like, he's going so to heaven, but he's accepted so, Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. Yeah, that, 
Okay, but someone who has rejected Christ is guilty of sin, and it doesn't matter what but, sin it is. So what about the ones who have the homosexuals, the adulterers, so the drunkards? If we, don't, if we don't preach the truth, then people don't believe they can go any way they want because of their feeling. The truth is only. It sounds like what you're saying is a person that is unsaved will go to hell. Exactly. That's what the Bible says. But then we need to clearly define who is saved and who is not saved. No, we can't. That's between them and God. But if if you ask, is a homosexual going to heaven, the answer is no. Yeah, okay, hold on. Again, I'm new. I'm new. I'm, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not even six months in. Forgive me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm traditional Southern Baptist. So here, here, here's my thing. This, this, this is, this is, this is as, a, as a child. This is how we grew up. You can't do this. You're gonna burn in hell. You can't do this. You're gonna burn in hell. You can't do this. You're gonna burn in hell. No. You can't do this. You're gonna burn. However, that's why the Bible says my people perish in the that you can't do this with the main people doing it. Right. That's not what I'm not trying to say. What I'm simply trying to say is when, you, when a person sits down and they say, Father God, I love you with all my heart. Right. I, I adore you. I'm, you are my master. You are my father. Right. Father God, help me. It is right. then God's will when he decides to change the person. Andrew, Andrew, hold on. You got to let people finish their point, and then you can talk after they finish, okay? Let him finish his point, because that's the only way we're going to get organization on here, okay? So go ahead and finish your point, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry. The only thing that I'm just trying to say is if that's the case, then when when you are saved and you you have sinned, then you then from what I'm hearing from him is that you lose your salvation. No, no, and no. My you, God, you need to that, open your ears. Serve, you can't lose your salvation. What's your thing? Yeah, okay. Okay. Are, he, are he you didn't finished? Say that. He didn't say you that. finished? You know what the, the problem is? This the is, problem is, is Andrew, what I'm about said to say that. Because I'm going to clarify it, okay? Andrew, so the way that you said it, Andrew, real quick, the tone in which you said that, you made it sound, I mean, that's an obvious answer. Like, that's almost not even worth saying. But you no, said no, it no, as no, it no. The reason I said it that way was to bring emphasis to the point. Okay? And I said it because I knew it was going to bring the wrath because the bottom line is we're all sinners. Right. And yes. we're none of us. Even, even more so. You can't even say it that way because I have an, an atheist friend who is actually a really good person, and he doesn't cheat on his wife. He doesn't lie. He doesn't <laughs> fornicate. He doesn't, let's, you know, cheat on his wife. Go into the atheist thing. I just want to answer. No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to the atheist thing. But for you to point that stuff out, really, what you should, just should have said was, if you're not saved, you're going to hell. That's the bottom line. But you see, we were talking about homosexuality, and somebody asked, and, "Is a homosexual ask, going to I heaven?" This is Pastor and the answer is what no. Okay, what constitutes hey, salvation? Go ahead, Okay, uh, if, if somebody has sin, they're not going to heaven, whether it's homosexuality. That's not true. Lying, if you're saved, whether you sin or not, you're going to heaven. As long as you ask If that's the case, sir, I'm not trying to be funny, sir. I mean no disrespect. If that's the case, then there was no need for God to bring his only begotten son to die on the cross because everybody's going to burn from what you're saying. 
No, listen to me. Uh, that's you have accepted Christ. No. Okay, can, can, you, can you hear what I'm saying? I hear you. If you have accepted Christ, you're no longer a sinner. And I don't care go. what the sins or how many you've committed. So does that, if you've accepted so does that, Christ, you're no longer a sinner. My question, my question then, does that include the homosexual? Yes, Even it does. They, it includes yes. anyone, because there's no sin that he can't cover except rejecting him. Now, one thing. Now, let me let's get this let, let's get this show back under control real quick, okay? I have a couple <laughs> more questions. You you are at, you're absolutely hey, hey, right. Hey, hey, I'm sorry, not to yeah. cut you off. I think I have the perfect question, and I've been kind of dying to ask this to Pastor E. <laughs> okay, Pat, because I, I was going to ask Pastor E some more questions too, but go ahead. Okay, Pastor E. Oh, are you still on the phone? Yes, sir, I'm still here. Okay, thank you. Um, considering you are a homosexual pastor, you have a congregation, um, one of the first things that uh, this conversation at the beginning of the show was talking about was marriage counseling. And we were kind of identifying the differences between secular marriage counseling and Christian marriage counseling. And I believe we kind of all came to the same consensus that one of the primary uh things that a Christian counselor will do is establish, when he's talking to a married couple, the structure, the hierarchy inside of the household, meaning the male is the head of the household. How do you address that in a homosexual, between, say, two males, in a homosexual marriage? Um, in a same-gender uh, marriage or relationship, we address it. Uh, of course, we do try to find out if there is a hierarchy or do they ascribe to the idea or ideal of a partnership? And most most um, uh, couples re- aspire to a partnership. So there is, you know, different situations. There's a conversation on, you know, is this a good idea? Do you think this is a good idea? Or no, should we do this? Should we not? Um, there's not a person that says, this is what we're doing. That's it. That's all. Um, and, and I personally, I personally feel like even in some traditional relationships, that's a problem. That you you just say your word is law, and I, I, I you know I'd like to really know where we got that from. So you saying that? So his question is, because that was going to be my next question to you, is there a headship in that relationship? And your answer is, you guys kind of got to walk that out and figure it out as you go. Yeah, there's there's not necessarily a headship. There's a, it's a partnership. Do, so, do you feel that in a in a heterosexual relationship, is there a headship or the same? You you feel the same way? I feel that if if you as an individual couple have come to that agreement that we want to, this is how our relationship is going to be established, and that is for you. But is there a uh, be all for everybody and everybody's relationship absolutely has to work that way I, I don't think so so when you count do you you stated earlier that you had um, hetero hetero uh, sexual relationships in Next. your heterosexuals in your church right and they're in, mm-hmm. in a relationship and they are the, the traditional male female right right when it comes down to counseling them, have you ever had to counsel them as far as their relationship was concerned? No, I have not had to counsel anyone ever yet. 
Okay, so when you do, because it's going to come a time since you're the leader of a church, and since homosexual, uh, I'm not going to say it's very popular now, I'm just going to say a lot of people have came out and, and stated since it's now legal to be married uh, as uh, two men or two women, um, a lot of people are going to be coming to your church now, um, homosexuals and heterosexuals alike. How would you guide, as far as the Bible is concerned, what would you tell a heterosexual couple who's the head and who's not the head? I don't believe it's my job to tell them who's the head and who's not the head. I believe that is that's between them. So according to the word, I don't believe that it's it's the it's the pastor's job uh, to tell them this is how your marriage is supposed to operate. But if you're gonna do, you teach now. Let me ask you this other question. It's very important. There is a King James version. And there is also a Queen James Version, which is also known as the Gay Bible. I'm not making it up. I'm, making, I'm not making. I'm not trying to be funny, and I'm not making it up. You can buy the book on Amazon. It's called the Queen James Version, and, and other also known as the Gay Bible. The Gay Bible okay. teaches that concept. However, do you guys teach out of the King James Version of the Bible? We do. I've never okay, so, I, well, I had heard of the other version until maybe a day or so ago. Okay, so if you're teaching out of the King James Version and people, uh, uh, a couple needs advice on headship, that's in the King James Version. So you're saying you don't touch that portion of the Bible when it comes down to relationship or marriage? No, and I, I, I haven't had to, as I said, you know, I haven't had to address a a traditional um, couple or a couple in a traditional uh, relationship. Okay. Uh, anybody so else saying did, so, so if you did, would you search and seek the King James Version that you teach out of to find out what the Bible says about if they have that question? I would. I would. And, and I would tell them, now this is what the Bible says. Mm. I can't make them <laughs> do what it says. I can't say, now this is what you need, this needs to be law for your household because that may not be what they they feel should be. Maybe they feel they should be in a partnership. Maybe the husband and wife have both come to an agreement that this is an equal partnership and we both make the decision on, to, on what happens in this household. So when somebody come up to you and they're in a state of confusion and they don't know um, should they be, if they're male, they don't know if they want to be with another male or female, would you guide them towards being with the opposite sex or would you guide them towards more so of exploring uh, to see which one, try it out? How, how does that go? Uh, I, I wouldn't guide them uh, <laughs> exploring anything sexually um, and and this may even go back to the, the uh, earlier question about seeking uh, spiritual or pastoral counsel versus secular counsel. I think that both um, are appropriate, and this may even be one of those situations where that is appropriate. I don't believe that the church has it all, and I do not believe that the world has it all. I believe that we need both. Um, 
I've seen a lot of people go through a lot of things. I've seen people commit suicide from getting bad advice from a pastor um, mm. that should not have been advising them. So I would probably, in that respect, say, you know, maybe you need to seek uh, a secular counseling specifically for that. And, okay, you know, do you? There's a guy you, as well. Go ahead, I'm sorry. You're in a relationship right now, right? I am. Are you guys in a um are you guys married or going to get married or we're engaged to get married. Okay. So the Bible says the the people and we we're going off of what we both read. You read the King James and I read the King James and so does everybody else. Okay. The the Bible addresses the married couple, a husband and a wife, and as Andrew said earlier, you know, um in, in Genesis it states and therefore a man should uh, leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Um, and the first order of man was to uh, procreate. Do you guys have children, or either you guys have children? No, we don't. Okay, now they call the husband and a wife. Those are two positions. What are the name of the positions in in the husband? Is it first husband or partnership? You mean in, in our relationship? What are, what are we called, or how is it now, in, 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 in homosexual in homosexual relationships? What is it called? Is it called a husband and another husband, or if it's two women and wife and a second wife, or it, how is it? How, it depends on, on 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 the the couple. Some couples choose to address each other as uh, husband and husband. Some couples choose to address each other as partner. Um, some couples, female wife and wife or partner. It, it, each individual couple has their own, and, I, and the same thing even with heterosexual couples on on other things. You know, it's a, you you can't. It's not a one size fit all. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Well, according to the Bible, and 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 the Queen James version or the Gay Bible, the terms that um, that you're using. Or referring to is in there as far as husband and husband or first husband if it's a, uh, a husband of a church it's in there those terms so I'm just it just seems more so that it's kind of leaning towards uh, secular and or Christianity uh, secular or King James or Queen James hey, so it's kind of leaning hey, um, yeah, do you think that now that you're aware of the Queen James Bible, do you think that you will start teaching from that Bible instead of the King James? Eh, probably not. Probably Why not? not. And, and even the King James version that I use, um, I typically use the Amplified version of it, um, just simply because the language is a little easier to understand. Um, but it, the, the Queen James version, I, I just don't think I'd be switching over to that. Okay. And the reason why Rodney asked you that because of a lot of the terms, a lot of the beliefs, and a lot of the systematic courting uh, um, sages that you guys go through or homosexuals go through, a lot of that is in that Bible, and they're not even aware of it. But it's in that Bible of how um, how people are to relate to each other when they're homosexuals. Wow. Which is which is not in the King James Version. So that's why I was asking that question. That's all. Wow. Yeah, that's why I asked my question to you. Yeah. Okay. Now, now you said, are you guys planning on adopting kids? 
Ah, no, we are not. And why is that? Is it a certain reason or? Um, it's just not something that we both uh, wanted to do. We do have friends uh, who have adopted children, um, and they do an awesome job with raising their children. Uh, sometimes even better than I've seen some heterosexual families or a couple raise their children. Um, How did just, I know that was coming? How did I know that was coming? <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the truth sometimes in some instances. So, and, and you're right, and you're right. But, you know, the theme behind that statement is that it's better. That's what the theme is. That's what the backstory is. Oh, homosexuals well, have more loving relationships. I implied that that was, not my, that was not my aim to imply that it was better. Okay, good. because I I don't believe that that one is better than the other. Well, I do. But go ahead. Okay, explain yourself. <laughs> explain yourself, Rodney. Hit me up, Rodney. No, I don't. I don't. I don't need to explain. Go ahead. Because he said some. He didn't say all. He just said. Right. You know, sure. Because I mean, we're people. You know. I mean, you can get two heterosexuals together and make it work or not work. Same thing, you can get two homosexuals together and, and make it work and not work when it comes to relationships. Because we're all... Then why do you say you do? Well, I, the thing is that I agree that you know, there there is one that's better because you know I think the one that's better is the one that can make a child. You know, so I, you know, I believe that if um, you know, as as my brother said earlier about the first instruction that was given to Adam was to be fruitful and multiply. So if Adam was gay, that wouldn't have happened. There would have been but no. But you know something about that passage? Yeah. It, could mean a, yeah. it could mean a few things. And considering that they were the, you know, the first two people on earth, you know what I mean, uh, considering they were the first two, it could have meant, you know, have children. But if the, the New Testament mirrors the Old Testament, it could have meant spread the word, spread Christianity, because the same because the same thing was given from Jesus to the disciples. And how would you spread Christianity? Uh, they, the way uh-huh. they did, they would just go out to all four corners of the earth, spreading the word, spreading the gospel. So, can two people go through all four corners of the earth and spread the gospel? Or do you um, need? <laughs> or do you need a multiplier of people to do that? I mean, like I like I said, because they were the only two, it's probable that they may have children. Right. <laughs> What's I have a question. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Okay. Um, in the Bible, doesn't it also speak in justify why people have slaves? Say that one more I didn't hear what you said, bro. I'm sorry. I said uh, in the Bible. Didn't it? Doesn't? Don't people have slaves in the Bible? Slaves. They did. Yeah, they, they did, did have slaves in the Bible. So if they had slaves in the Bible, so can I just go and get me some slaves right now? So I don't. Sure. Because no, if no, that's, that's the case, then like I'm, 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 I'm seeing what you're saying about the, about the, about going on all corners, four corners of the globe. That part, yes, I understand that. I, I got frequent flyer miles. You know, so can I go on all four the corners of the world? It would be expensive, but yes, but 
what I'm trying to say is you just quoted a part of the Bible and then you and you justified it. So how can the same people like the Ku Klux Klan who believe in slavery, how can we sit here and they can justify their side of the Bible? Because the, one, the, one, the, the, the slavery in the, in the Bible was not about uh, treating someone of a certain color as a slave. The slavery in the Bible, it talked about, it was based on a financial transaction. So if you were in... financial if, transaction? No, what I'm saying is... But if I, I, if, I, I hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish, let me finish. If I come to you and I borrow money from you, I'm in bondage. It's a, you're, you're giving me a bond. And so I'm going to work for you until I pay that bond off, okay? That, that, is, that is the slavery that they refer to in the Bible. It was a financial transaction. It was about borrowing money. This, what about Exodus, though? What do you mean, Exodus? Now, that was All pure the Hebrew, slavery. The Hebrew slaves. Yeah, the Hebrews say. I mean, but why why did they why did they go to why did they go to uh to to uh Israel? I mean, why did they go to Egypt? It didn't well, start out that way, guys, it ended up that way. No, well, but the no, point well, that you guys no, are it is, it is it, it, the reason why they went to Egypt is because they needed Egypt because they were their their country was in famine. They had no food. But the point that you guys are bringing up into this conversation is you're referring to dispensations of time. Now we're not mm-hmm. talking, and that's a totally different time than now. Which, uh, which is why I said earlier uh, that we must, that we have to exegetically, excuse me, read the Bible in its historical, literary, and cultural context. Yeah. But we also have to we also have to divide what man did versus what God's plan was. God gave us free will, but God's plan was perfect until sin came into the world. And he allowed right. Satan, which is the king of this world, to take over. So, if so we, we gotta we gotta divide is, what man if, wanted if, to do if, versus if what divine, God's plan was. Hold on, we, we can't hear both of y'all talking. Say that one more if time. Divide that. Ahead, what sorry. I said was, we're, we're talking about what man decided to do versus what God's plan was. God's plan was a perfect world until sin entered it, and he gave Satan and humans the right to choose what they wanted to do opposed to his plan. Because people in the Bible did certain things does not mean it was sanctioned by God. God had a perfect plan, but Satan entered the world, sin entered the world, and we went our own way. That's the problem we have right now. Right. And going back to the, real quick, going back to the the point, just tying in on what Andrew just said about the Klan, um, you know, using biblical texts, you know, to justify slavery against uh, black people. And, you know, the problem with that is, you know, the Bible does not even mention race. I don't know if y'all are aware of that or not. It speaks of nations and peoples and tongues, but it does not mention race. So it does, you know, that it does was, mention race. Where is it? In leprosy. What leprosy? Leprosy is a form of albinism. Uh, it's not a race. It's only three uh, races. I mean, I mean, Negroid, I mean, you could, you, could, you, could, you could split hairs about it, but I mean, <laughs> I ain't gonna split hairs with you. On no, this. no, no. What I'm saying is, 
Let, uh, let me clear it up a little bit more, Harry. Let me clear it up a little bit more for you. Right, the race right. in the Bible um, is Numbers 12 and 1, where um, Moses was married to a colored woman, and his brother and sister, Marion and Aaron, was upset with him about her race or about him marrying outside of his race or outside of his people. But she was the same religion as him. So that was a – she was black and he was not black. So uh, no, they I'm, had not, a I'm not referring to that. When I'm well, referring I'm referring to, to that. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a – Hello? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a certain point. Now, leprosy is a – I thought that was a disease. Uh, not necessarily. It's a form of albinism. I mean, scientific – I mean, we, we think it's a, it, it is a disease, but it's a disease based on recessive genes. Okay, so no, I don't want to get into this. No, I don't want to get into this. Back to you, Mr. Host. I don't want to get into this. Look, look, look. Yeah. look <laughs> hey, look, look. We can, we can talk about the Bible. We can't talk about the race. No, no. We, we, I just spoke of the race, number 12 and 1. It obviously said that they was upset about her color. So you can go back and check that out. But what was your point? No, no. I mean, my point is, I, th- I mean, I think there is there is some context of, you know, in the Bible, you know, there are different people talk about, you know, marrying outside of their particular uh, genotype. You know, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think that there is evidence of that in the Bible. Okay, but that has nothing to do with now. If now the Bible uh, again, the only time that God was displeased with somebody marrying outside of their their culture is on two occasions, and that's through Samson and through Solomon. They married women that was not of the same culture or religious background, and that's what. And they just and and both of those relationships were destroyed, even though there was two unique people. But my interest in knowing, I want to get back to ask Pastor. Yeah, but there's no, but, but hold on one second. There's no, there's only if if they if you are of, of the Jewish race, you're, you're Semitic, right? So that is a race. I mean, you ask a Jewish person, is are, are they of a race? They'll both say yes. I'm we're Semitic. Okay. So what are you saying? So what I'm saying is, I think in in the in the Judeo Christian. Uh, Foundation in the, in the doctrine, I think that there is uh, a um, they do discuss uh, perspectives on race within the Judeo Christian uh, perspective. Good okay, words. Go, it, ahead. go ahead, go ahead, Ms. Hope. No, but, it, yeah, but the point I was I wanted to ask uh, Pastor E. He did you read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? <laughs> In Genesis, yes. Yes. Okay. So, what are your what is your take on why God destroyed the city? Uh, very simply, Sodom's sins were not about homosexuality, but a lack of hospitality, uh, a core value of ancient society, uh, and that, I think that was even confirmed in Judges 19, where it uh, talks about heterosexual rape. Heterosexual rape. Mm-hmm. In, uh, so you're saying, uh, so you're saying, so you're saying so no homosexuality. Saying, Go ahead. No, Sodom's sins were not about uh, 
that, that you talked asked me about some, uh, their sins were not about homosexuality, but a lack of hospitality, which was a core value for that ancient society. So you're saying it was more, more, more so destroyed because people were raping people, no matter if they were men or women. Exactly. Okay. Anybody want to agree or disagree with that? I, I, I read it as, as it sounded like homosexuality and it sounded like a lot of gluttony and just, you know, overindulgence. It's just being really wild, you know, and out of control. Now, for, for my last question to you, Pastor E, and, I, and that's my last question for the night, my, mine personally, if uh, I don't come up with anything else. Uh, do you and your mate have problems with your relationship? And if so, uh, who do you seek counsel from? Because it's not a lot of uh, gay pastors in Atlanta. I, well, I don't know. I'm not going to say that it's not a lot of gay pastors in Atlanta. But I, you're the first one I've met. So, do you guys seek do you guys seek um, aid from um, other headships? As the other pastor said earlier, even pastors need pastors. How do you guys seek? Um, you know, um, um, we do. Um, of course, just like any other uh, relationship, we have our issues, our disagreements, um, but we have we do have uh, someone that we can speak to. Um, I have a pastor uh, that we can talk to, and uh, and that's what we do. Are they homosexual as well? Yes, they are. Okay. And their guidance is from their personal relationship and not something that came from the Bible? Uh, typically, it is from their personal uh, relationship and things that they've gone through. Okay. Well, I'm not... Yeah, go ahead. But real quick, um, and I want you to give me an, an, your honest answer. And this is for Pastor E. Um, has, as a pastor, has God ever given you a message that is purely about um, talking about how homosexuality is okay, or, or even including homosexual marriage being okay, and you're using scripture to back that word up? No. Nope. Why is that? Okay. I, I I don't know why. He he said I mean, because, he has not given me a message like that, and and no, he has not. Because I would think that it being in your position, being that all eyes are on you, uh, you step out. I can imagine you step out on the pulpit and saying, "Hey, I'm Pastor E." This is my partner, my life partner, and 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 I'm gay. And here's the word. Here's what the word says. That that sounds like if I was in the congregation, and 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 I was sitting in that congregation and I heard you speak, it would sound like a contradiction to everything that I was taught, or everything that that we believe, or everything is heterosexual. Are against, you know what I'm saying? So how do you how do you preach around? Because you you you, you preach to the multitude, not just homosexuals or transgenders or you know other people that are confused. You preach the word is for everybody. 
Mm-hmm. How can a, a heterosexual person look at your word and listen to your word and believe that it's the the word of God as Andrew was uh, asking you earlier? I think that he was asked. That was a very important question that um, that you didn't get the chance to answer. Um, and and I think I think if I'm understanding the question correctly, I I would have to answer that as saying I don't preach a a homosexual or or gay gospel for lack of better words, I preach simply that Jesus saves us, not the Bible. The Bible is only a witness to what Jesus has done, what he came to do uh, for us. Um, So we don't focus on uh, a sexuality aspect or uh, a a gay theology. We focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ, which liberates by by itself. You know what? My cousin... Everyone, my cousin introduced me to to Pastor E because I asked him after we got off that phone call with him, what church does he does he go to, and he introduced me to his pastor, and that's that's how I was introduced to Pastor E. Um, but but and 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 one thing that my cousin said that stood out to me was when he's a he's an author, he's a writer and a photographer, but as soon as he says that he is gay. Everything else is put on the back burner, and that's mm-hmm. on the front page. Mm-hmm. And I, for one, in my mindset, for the very first time, thought looked at it as unfair. So it changed my mind, my whole mindset of how I look at people and and not be so quick to judge them based off of what I hear and what I see, because I don't have that a full understanding of what what my eyes are showing me. So, Pastor E, I really appreciate you being on the show. Anybody else got any questions for him? I do. Oh, oh, go ahead. And I have one more after you, Rodney. Uh, Go ahead. I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, My other question, because I have you on the phone, you are a a pastor, you um, are homosexual. So I'm curious, um, you have the Old Testament and then the New Testament, which we are saved under grace, in the New Testament, is your opinion of the views of homosexuality in the Old Testament different than your <laughs> views of homosexuality in the New Testament? I would have to say uh, that they are the same. Sure. That they are the same. <laughs> All right, that was my question. I appreciate it. All right, I have a monkey wrench for Pastor E, and uh, Pastor E, this is what I do around here. I'm just, um, yeah. <laughs> so I do have a monkey wrench for you, and you just uh, you just mentioned how, I guess for all intensive purposes, that you disagree with God as far as uh, headship in a heterosexual relationship. Uh, so what I want to know is, in what other ways do you disagree with God? <laughs> Get him home. Wow, that, that, that was a monkey wrench. <laughs> I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you. But, yeah, what what other ways? That's just one example that you shared. But what are some other ways that you, um, in fact, disagree with uh, God's order or 
I, I would really wouldn't even say uh, that I disagree with God. I might disagree with man's word about God, but I don't believe I disagree with God. That would so mean you that don't would believe mean the Bible with is, the Bible. is God's word. I, I said I disagree. I may disagree with what man says about God, but I don't disagree with God. Do you disagree with the Bible? No. I don't disagree with the Bible. <laughs> but I do disagree with what man has made the Bible out to be, what man has made God out to be. So let me ask you a follow-up uh, monkey wrench question, uh, just based on what you just stated. Um, Ephesians, 5, Ephesians 5 and 23 um, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Um, and I'm parsing here. And so did the man write that or did God write that? Ephesians 5 and 23. Yes, sir. I just wanted to pull it up. And I'm, I'm hoping that my phone does. Sure, take your time. Take your time. You still there, Pastor? You got it. Sounds like a typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> did we lose him? I think we might have lost him. Did we lose him? I think. No. It, yeah, I think we did lost lose him. him. Wow. We lost him. Wow. So wow. Trying to look at it. You, you just trying to look at it through wow. his phone. Uh, <laughs> all right. I got to ask you Go ahead, brother. I got a monkey Hopefully he'll dial back in. Hopefully he'll dial back in. Go ahead, Tom. Mm-hmm. I got a monkey wrench. The monkey wrench is, what does it mean to have a reprobate mind? Mm. Does anybody know what I that believe, is? Can I answer that? Please, mm-hmm. go ahead. Andrew. I believe that, that the Word of God is the Word of God. And we... Um, with a sinful nature, rebel against that word. If we don't come under authority of God's word and we continue to walk our own way, at some point God says, okay, I'm going to turn you over. And instead of pricking your conscience and pricking your, your spirit, I'm going to let you go down the rabbit hole as deep as you want to go. And then you can start believing anything is true. You can believe that that. Just like uh, Rodney said, you know, hey, well, that part isn't true. That's not really God's word. The man isn't really the head. Um, you know, homosexuality isn't really an abomination because once you go down a path to, 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 to go your own way, then God is not, not your God. And that's what I believe turning you over to your own reprobate mind means. Hey, listen, listen. You broke, you broke it down like it's never been broke. <laughs> that's real. That's right. I mean, that's that's a good good he broke that's it down. Words. So, so my follow-up question, and here's my follow-up question. I think this is the thing that we haven't really touched on tonight. Can a Christian have a reprobate mind? Sure. Oh, true. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. True. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And yeah. and I believe that Christian has 
stopped growing and now has gone off into the wilderness. Well, let well, let me flip it around. Can a true Christian have oh, a Oh, Lord. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, my phone died oh, okay. on me. The pastor's back. Go ahead, bro. I know, but All I right. can't see you. Okay, can a true Christian have a reprobate mind? I believe we can all lose our way. Uh, and I believe we can also die in our sin. But, but I, 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 I agree. I, I agree with Andrew. I, I agree with Andrew because I know personally some Christians that when when a Christian becomes unteachable, then their minds are reprobate, in my opinion. When when you can't when they when they won't let anything go nobody can tell them anything they can no longer learn anything from any pastor they already know it all that's when the learning stops and that's when their mind becomes reprobate so whatever's locked in nobody can say nothing because they know it all. But so here's gonna... one thing I'd like to add to that: if the Word of God won't correct you, I would suggest that you check your Christian card. Thank you, Andrew. And that's exactly what I was getting to. So what is missing in that the whole scenario we talked about tonight? We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about this one's beliefs, that one's beliefs, yada, yada, yada. But I didn't hear one time anybody mention the Holy Spirit at all. I'm going to tell you another thing I didn't hear people mention is love. Because a lot of times it's not about giving people Tough love is loving people that are tough to love. Well, you're tough to love, and I love you, brother. What's that? <laughs> what did you say? He said you were tough to love. <laughs> and he loves you. That's funny. Hey, I mean, I mean, you know, but you know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, we have different people. You don't know how and where people arrive at their particular situation. And we're, I think a lot of times, not necessarily on this phone call, but in society, you know, we want to pound hard on, you know, what, you know, the word of God says and telling people they're going to hell. And, you know, like I said last week, man, we don't, we don't. It's an obsession. What's that? It's it's like an obsession. Yeah, it's like, it's like we're so, we're, we 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 want to be right so bad that it almost kind of indicts us and shows us where we're weak. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait yeah. A minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, one, hold on one second. Hold on, hold on. Finish your thought. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. You know, I mean, I may disagree with this, the you know, the pastor's lifestyle choice. But what I where I do applaud him at choice. You know, he is he he is he is lifestyle choice or orientation or whatever the case may be. I mean, I you know, I don't necessarily understand it, but what I do applaud him is he is trying to seek righteousness. And maybe at some point, you know, he'll grow and, you know, things may change, but where I do think where I do support him a hundred percent is he is trying to seek righteousness. He's seeing the, seeking the best place to live. We may not agree with his past or whatever the case may be, but that's not our place, you know? Like like people said at the beginning, 
everybody has to stand before God at some point, you know, based on whatever your your spiritual uh, belief system is. So we got to be careful how we indict people and say, you know, they're going to hell or you're, you know, this, that, and the other. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, whether what he believes or what he don't believe, it ain't going to do a damn about how it's going to affect our lives. And that's the reality of it. Yeah, but um, let me indict you. Let me indict you, brother. Okay, yeah. indict me. I'm going to do And I'll make it real quick because Pastor E is back, and he's going to read for us Ephesians 5 and 23 when, we, when right. I finish. Right. Um, right. But let me indict you when it comes to love because I know your wife. I met your wife. Mm-hmm. Right. Sweet lady. Yep, sweet lady. Nice lady. Mm-hmm. Now, what if I saw you out and about with a – you know, with another young lady that's not your wife, and y'all were not, you know, on a platonic uh, meeting. And right. I said, hey, brother, hey, brother, you know, I, come on, man. I, I know your wife don't be doing that, man. So would, I, would I not be showing you love? Yes, you would, absolutely. Right. But the whole point, I think, when you talked about church folks or Bible thumb or whatever it is, um, there are there are ways to show correction in love where it's not, you know, uh, as the as Pastor said, an obsession. Like I just want you and your wife to have a healthy marriage. So obviously, you having a side piece is not healthy to your marriage. So in love, I would come to you and try to correct that behavior, you know. And I wouldn't say, you know, in front of the, you know, call you out. I'd just take you aside, brother to brother, be like, yo, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? What if the Bible way I read the Bible says it's not a sin? Hold on on one second. And I think that that, the the, the one thing is is that when you establish that type of relationship with somebody, yeah, you can go and pull them aside and say, hey, man, look, I know know you see out here doing this, that, and the other. Here, man, let me pull your coattails on something, okay? I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is as soon as everybody hears somebody's doing something that's, you know, may not be their interpretation of things, we want to automatically jump down their throat. And that's not that's not what they need, man. That's not what they need. They need somebody to say, Okay, let's let's sit down, let's correspond this, you know. And if they reach a point where they can establish a relationship where they can kind of study the word together, and that's this, you know, according to what I read, if you see a brother that's doing wrong, you pull him aside, not you know, not in front of everybody, we pull him aside. Hey, look, this is what I think. You know what I'm saying? But I think sure. we want to, you know, bump, you know, thump our chest and say, hey, I know this and I've studied this and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm a deacon, I'm a thirty third, I'm this, I'm that. It shouldn't be about that. It should be about saying, hey, man, let, let's come together as brothers, you know, and 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 see where we can build each other up. But one thing about it, one thing I'll about it, though, we, we're talking about Galatians 6 and 1. It tells you how to correct the, bro- the brother. Uh, right. Also, it tells you uh, if he's in the word in Corinthians 5 and 11, it tells you if he's in the word, then you can judge him, meaning if you – if if he's in the church and he's he's preaching and he's in the yes. pulpit and he's sleeping with uh, sister so and so on the front row, 
then you can yes. correct that behavior because you can you can say, hey, don't mislead the flock into that kind of behavior. But if he's yeah. not in the word, then you don't have to let God judge those people. So I get tired That's of people right. saying that you can't judge this person or you can't judge me. Yes, I can if you're in the word. And no, no, I, 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 I never, I never, I never. That says, hey, the way I read the Bible, that's not a, a sin. I mean, like I said, man, I'm not saying that I never said that you can't judge a person. What I'm saying is we're so quick to jump down people's throat instead of being in a position of helping people. So you're okay? just basically talking about the approach, really. You're just basically yeah, talking just- about the approach. Yeah, yeah just, I understand. Just, I'll take that. Just, take just, that. Just, just the approach. I mean, because ultimately, if you're like saying, ah, I know this and this is what I study, and you're not, you don't try to find a way where you can identify with with the individual just from a conversation standpoint. You can you can open your mind without adopting somebody's doctrine. But you've got to open your mind up to see where a person is. And I say, aha, I see where he's at. Let us let us build on that. But if we don't okay. find a common if we don't kind of find a common place to build on, then we're ready we're ready to just jump down somebody's throat. I mean, maybe his ministry is just giving somebody just to have somebody to talk to where they can correspond together, and maybe they Man, can his build ministry, from there. It, in my in my opinion, mm-hmm. his ministry or people like him. Mm-hmm. has brought people like my cousin to a point in his mind that he's not worthless, that he's not exactly. useless on this earth, and he's not going directly to hell. So, you know and, and, if you, a, and it's a whole bunch of people yep. out here that's homosexual yep. that needs yep. pastors like Pastor exactly. E. Because, you know, exactly. no one's going to – a lot of people don't touch that. A lot of exactly. people don't touch that. So, exactly. Pastor E., I wanted him to go back to – Read well, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry, go ahead. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And I hear you guys, and it sounds admirable, and I understand. And we all want to be, you know, as polite as possible. But if that's what you want to do, you've got to close the Bible. And the reason why I say that, if that's what you want to do, close the Bible. Because the Bible speaks, it's crystal clear to me what I read. It's crystal clear to you guys what you read, right? Mm -hmm. So it's our responsibility as Christians is to not twist that word and say, okay, this is what it is. Okay, if I wanted to say this, then I need to close the Bible and open up some other kind of book. But if I'm preaching Mm -hmm. to people, the Bible says what it says. There's no gray area. There's nothing in between. Uh, We're not saying saying there's a gray area. What we're saying is you've got to find a place where you all can correspond from and then build from there. That's it. What place I'm is that? I'm not saying. I don't know. That's why you. The place is, what Tony, place is the, place, the place is when, and this is what led me to write the book that I wrote. Because the Bible, just because when people say because the Bible said so, then you go into the Bible and you clearly see a person's mindset says one thing, and they differentiate their mindset to say, okay, I said this. I said if the unbeliever wants to leave, then let him leave. A lot of people classify that. Well, that's the Bible say, the word say this, and it says I can leave you because you're an unbeliever. No, it says I say, not God says. And then right, the scripture right below that says 
God says, and not I, he that leaves his mother and father shall cleave to his wife. So it differentiates. You've got to understand who's talking and who's saying what. If they're saying it out of their, out of their right mind, out of their, out of their own mind, or out of the mouth of God. And people don't read the Bible from that context. They just say, does the Bible say so? So can Pastor E read uh, his text? Go ahead, Pastor E. You got it. Yes, sir. You got it. Is he on mute? Take yourself off mute, Pastor E. There you go. Hi, Pastor E. Is he there? I don't know. Hmm. Guess not. Okay, I thought he was there. But uh, but as I was saying, as we try to get Pastor E on the line, as I was saying, you you really when you read the Bible and you say "cause the Bible say so," a lot of people don't read the three and four lines up or the three or four lines below that. We really uh-huh. have to, to 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 read it in this in this entirety and say, okay. Paul is saying this, and he's stating it out of his mind. That even Jesus said, out of his mind, he said, "Hey, if if, if I don't want to go through this, all this blood and guts and tearing off my flesh and all that stuff, but God, if it's Your will, then let it be done." He even yeah, stated it out of his mind a little bit. Let's not get it twisted. You know, we talk in in some cases. You know, you will read three or four lines up or down, and it changes. In other cases, it does not. So the meaning doesn't change, you know. In some cases, so not for all. So when cases, I'm in, a, so when I'm in, a, so when I'm in a, when I'm in a counseling session, and a, and a woman says, "The Bible says we should submit to one another." Yes, it does say you should submit to one another, but it wasn't talking about in the husband and wife relationship. <laughs> well, they just they just state they just state what 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 the Bible say. What the Bible say, he should submit to me as I submit to him. No, it don't say that. And it wasn't talking about that. It was talking about people that's in the church. The deacons should submit to the nurses, should submit to the pastor. The pastor should submit. And that was the whole washing of the foot thing. So if we want to that's talk about the Bible, go ahead. That's why we don't have Bible study on this show. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. Everybody got their right. own interpretation and no their doubt. own cliff notes and their own whatever. Exactly. What we exactly. Mean, it's perfect. Perfectly crystal clear. What I'm looking at in front of me right now <laughs> is perfectly crystal clear about homosexuality. There's no deviation. There's no nothing. It's perfectly crystal it's perfectly clear, clear about homosexuality. What I'm reading right now. Well, what did because you didn't read the scripture before and the scripture after. And I didn't write book. <laughs> I didn't read the other book. Can you go ahead and read? Can you go ahead and read? Until we, if Pastor E's on the line, he can read it. But could you go ahead and read what you're looking at right Pastor in front of your e. eyes? Pastor E is reading that whole chapter. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, again, 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 it's not Bible study. It's not Bible study. I'm going to let you all clean it up. I'm going to let you all justify what the brother does at his church. And I guess he does a good job because nobody else is talking to the homosexuals but him. So I guess he does a good job for 20 people, and it is what it is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's yeah, not right. Yeah, because you know the parable says some will plant seeds, some will water, some will harvest. You know, maybe he's just planting seeds, and maybe there's other people that are 
you know, will, will water and there's other people who will harvest. You know, the first thing I think the, the most important piece is we can't allow, no matter where a person that is at in their sin, whether they're on drugs, they're backsliding or whatever, we can't engage them from a, a, a perspective of mistreatment. And unfortunately, you know we, live in, we live in a society where we mistreat but people. You, that but you keep going to, did I mistreat you when I, when I gave the example? I, I think that I know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying your example, but I mean let's not let's not kid ourselves. People treat you know gays and sure, you know, sure. black people and handicapped people and sure. you know they they treat them we, we treat them mad we treat them bad because they don't fall in line with the mold that society has agreed, agreed upon. Harry, they do. Harry, you're tripping. Harry, you're tripping. <laughs> Most of these states got, got same-sex marriage approved, dog. They're getting recognition just like everybody else. They, I mean, Virginia. that day is gone. Well, maybe not in Virginia, but that day is gone. Hey, you know I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, yeah. I, think, I think you watch what happened after 2016. There's gonna, the pendulum is going to swing back so far the other way. We don't go but it didn't yet. Yeah. As of right now, let me ask you one question. Yeah. Is Pastor E saving people from death congregation? Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Um, I don't know. If he's preaching the pure, true word of God, he is. Mm-hmm. But it, it, to me, well, it doesn't they, sound like the true word of God. Well, well that's like uh, debatable depending on the person. It does sound like well, that right that was what we started out with. Uh, is there is there truth or is truth relative? And mm-hmm. and that well, that was the whole thing. If we don't have truth, then we don't we have nothing to base it on, and it's anybody's whim that's the truth. Well, what what I was referring to is Malcolm said earlier, and I've heard this from a from a every homosexual that I've met, I've heard that. I was about to commit suicide because I thought that I was going to hell anyway and I couldn't change the way I feel, okay? I was about to commit suicide. It's, it's a place and it's a purpose for everybody on this earth, even those then of us close the, the Bible. Bible. Then, Darren, huh? close the Bible and talk from a different perspective. I'm Don't talking from a perspective. Okay, listen, I'm talking from a perspective of suicidal mindsets. I'm talking about people that's about to kill themselves. And Pastor E's church, or from his perspective of how he's talking to these people, are helping them realize that their life is worth death. It's, it's worth more than death. So that's you know, there's, there's no disagreement whether someone can help someone in a, in a depressed situation. But when you call yourself a Christian church and a Christian pastor but you do not believe the word of god is true and you can make up your own that's where i have a problem with it call yourself the first church of of joseph or thomas or joey (laughs) whatever don't call yourself the church of jesus christ yeah well i think that's arrogant to say that any particular person knows the truth of the word of god well, okay, we have right, to listen. have we have to have a baseline, and if the Bible is not the baseline, what is it? Yeah, Harry, you, you say, reach. well, 
Um, what did you say? That, that, that's <laughs> not true, and this isn't true. No, then, not really true. And how do you call yourself a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian? Exactly. You got the Bible open. Okay, Darren, you asked me to read it? I'm yeah. going to read it because uh-huh. you asked the question, and I'm going to try to answer the question. It okay. says, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. Do not be deceived, nor the sexual immor- immoral, nor um, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor swindlers, swindlers, none of them will inherit the kingdom of God. So, I mean, it, 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 and that's Corinthians 6, 9, 11. So it breaks down to you exactly what he's talking about. Okay, but what, you, what the word you're missing and misunderstanding, and I don't I try to not to go into it. We got five more minutes, but the word inherit doesn't mean not going to heaven. The oh, word inherit. Come on, man. <laughs> we got five minutes. You want to say that? Can I finish? Can I finish my statement? Can I finish my statement? Can I finish my statement? I finish. Let me finish my statement. What does it mean? Let me finish my statement. Let me finish my statement. Right? The word inherit means I, if I am eating pork, I can, even though uh, healing is in heaven, and I can call that from the parent realm to the child realm, which is earth, and if I can call healing upon my body, I can't do it. I can't inherit that healing if I'm steadily eating pork. Even I need some of that weed Jesus smoking, man. Cause that's tell you just confused no everybody. No doubt, no I mean, doubt, no doubt. And, and the bottom line is, Jesus, God didn't write it to be all that complicated, which you just made it. It's basic. Tony it's not complicated. It. It's not it's complicated basic. at all. You just got to understand what the word. No. Keep me half the ounce on the side, man. Yeah, you got to stop drinking them Long Island iced tea. Hey, but hold on. What about what about the people that are saved? Does that apply to them? No, because if you're saved, you're not a drunkard, you're not a homosexual, and you're not a liar because your sins have been washed away. And that's the and that and that's the rest of it. Even you know, but your sins were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's by the Spirit of our God. But Tony or, or Andrew is Pastor E a homosexual? Yes, he is practicing homosexuality. I don't know if he's saved or not. Well, he's he's he okay. You know what? All of us have sin in our life. Now, now we can go down and 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 we can say, hey, if you're living a lifestyle of sin, can you really be saved? Hey, there's but, there, you know, I'm not a judge of a heart. All I'm Andrew, saying is Andrew, that homosexuality, homosexuals will not go to heaven. Okay, but Andrew, what I was wait, wait, wait. Is, neither were liars or gossipers or all that whole list that Tony just read. But Andrew, anyone with any sin will not go to heaven. Okay, what I'm clinging to, what I'm clinging to, is that you said that if you're saved, none of that stuff applies to you, even if you're exactly, actively lying. Exactly, because you've been cleansed and washed, and when you stand before God, He looks at you through the perfect blood of His Son. Well, that would make, make Pastor E not a homosexual. And that would make me that I lied yesterday not a liar. Well, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. You're missing something. We keep missing something. We keep throwing around the word because you were saved, because we were saved, we were born again. I hear that. But if you do not have the Holy Spirit, we're talking about nothing. It's just exactly. Words. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. If you have, if you have, then why do we have to mention the Holy Spirit when we talk about saved? You can't have one without the other. 
That's exactly no. right. If you don't have the you Holy Spirit right living up. in you, you can't be saved. You can't okay? be saved. Okay? If you are saved, your sins are forgiven. I don't care what they are. Yeah. So newsflash, if you don't know what the Holy Spirit is, you ain't saved. A homosexual that is saved is not a homosexual. That's right. They've been washed in the blood. When they stand before God, they won't be judged as a homosexual. They'll be judged so as a sinner that's been washed clean. So it's slain okay. Second Chronicles 7.14 when it says, if you are my people and call by my, my name, I will humble you. You will humble yourself. It's, it gives you an instruction. Turn away from your, your wicked ways. And then I will heal your land and do all these other things. It, it's, it's something predicated off of you turning away from your wicked way. So, uh, Darren, because, are you a sinner? No, not after I ask for forgiveness. No, I'm not. Okay, I'm no, no. Do you still sin? Occasionally, yeah. but when I ask okay, for whoa, forgiveness, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm good. Let's hold you yeah. to that standard. You haven't turned away from your wicked ways. You're still sinning. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm not a practicing sinner. No, I'm oh, not no, a practicing sinner. No, 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 no. Sinner. Does a day go by that you don't sin? Come on, Darren. Yeah, a couple of days go by that I don't sin. What, what is really, now you've just lied, so today you're, you got one. Uh, no, just lied. It goes by that you don't sin. And I, I, I don't, I can't, like I, said, like I said, I try, when, if I, no, if I, I didn't I say sin, about trying, I said, does a day go by that you don't sin? If you're they talking about unknowing sin, no, no, no. Yeah. The answer is no. That means you're habitually sinning. <laughs> if you really remind me not to ever make a show ever again with the last religion one. involved, this is the last one. I'm not doing it no more. <laughs> well, that's it, folks. We gotta go. Time is up. Thank you, Thank you, y'all. Yeah. Good job, man. Y'all take it easy, fellas. Y'all have a nice week. Peace out. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.